other day, uh, Jim Magus stopped by my house and we had a long talk. Uh, he told me about his beginnings in music, um, growing up in the upper peninsula of Michigan, uh, moving to Chicago, uh, sc helping score an Ozzy Argento film and, uh, lots more, uh, Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome. It's okay. Oh, thank you. Just walking a dog out there. It's fun sitting here because I just see people's feet. I see people at dog level. Okay. <laughs> and they they can't see me. I'm just seeing their shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so how's how's the how did the show end up going all the way? Uh, at the Empty Bottle? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great, yeah. It was, uh, um, wait, like I saw you earlier. Did you stay through the show or no? Not till the end. I, okay, I, yeah. I left kind of early. I was kind of tuckered out. But <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. Um, I, I wanted I, to show uh, up. It went, it went great. Cool. Yeah, great. it looked like people were showing up and stuff. And yeah, a lot of people came out and people were digging it and, you know, dancing. I, like, saw the videos the next day and it looked like people were having a good time, you know, kind of. And uh, I had a good time. Um, yeah, everybody had great things to say afterwards, so it was uh, a nice, uh, nice return. Sweet, yeah. So this is this is the return to singing and stuff. The return to singing, but I also haven't played for a while, and this yeah. is my first record in like five years. You know, I haven't played a show in five years, and and yeah, and I haven't sung since. You know, for all practical purposes, since about 2009, so, you know, mm. 12, 13 years. I did a couple of gigs, you know, I played a festival in Canada where I did vocal stuff and, you know, a couple other isolated gigs, but for the most part, I just went instrumental, um, mm. you know, for a while. What, uh, what inspired the return to the, to the microphone? Was there, a, like, a... A thing? Uh, yeah, I just discovered that I like to sing. Um, you know, late in life. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like to I like to sing. Um, you know, I kind of like got in better shape, so I had more stamina. I didn't like I wasn't like wheezing out. Well, I never wheezed out words, but um, I don't know. It just felt good to fill up a lung full of air, just belt it out, and um, also, uh, you know, there was so much. You know, like when I decided I wanted to just focus on instrumental music. I, I wanted to focus, I just wanted to get into, um, you know, more, you know, get more into like composition and improvisation and things like that. Um, and, uh, um, you know, try to, try to do some film scoring maybe and, and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, uh, you know, I, like I wanted to make the kind of music that I wanted to listen to. I'm like, I don't want to hear some dude yelling, you know? Um, but then it came time for some dude to start yelling again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, uh, I was like, you know what? You know, there's there's so much good instrumental electronic music out there. There really is. And uh, and I, too, uh, attempted to make and did make, I think, good electronic instrumental music. But it's hard to distinguish yourself. Like, I felt like I would rather make a mediocre vocal record that stands out from mm. the pack oh. than make a really, you know, like... It was just a way to stand out because, like, you know, um, I, I, I mean, it, you know, that's the starting point. Like, make a make a good, you know, make a bad record that sounds different from all these really good, tasteful records. 
that would be more interesting and it would sound more like me it'd be more authentic and you know because there's so many things you can automate things there's chromatic tuning you can do like all this kind of stuff and you can sound pretty perfect you uh -huh. know but but it, i think maybe it's a little more like sounding a little imperfect now it, you know when it, you know everything can be quantized yeah. and imperfect's know. a lot better i think <laughs> yeah it's more interesting yeah so, uh, yeah, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to try to, you know, just do something unique, but then also try to, do, you know, be my best at it, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I read, I read, I actually did some, some show prep. It's like a, it's not a thing I usually do. I mean, up to now, so this, this, uh, this audio experiment show, whatever the fuck this is, I've only really talked to people I've known for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And know something about, and you included, really. Yeah. But uh, I don't specifically like you know research. But for whatever, I, I just felt like looking through like some of the recordings, and then I read that long interview you gave to that coffee shop place. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Which was Glass Glassworks Coffee. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. They have they have quite a, a roster of people, and there's overlap. Like. Yeah, <laughs> like I just I just recorded one of these with Janet Bean from Eleventh Dream Day, and uh -huh. I did one with Chris Brokaw, but it, the recording was bad. I, so I oh, okay. do it unfortunately. I transcribed it and published it online. Oh, okay, as, an, as like an article, but uh, that was interesting. Where well, I mean, you back you went back to like sort of like the beginnings of the music and stuff. But yeah, was that was uh -huh. that like always the dream, like music? Or was it just like always like a side fun thing? Uh, well, I um, liked playing guitar. I wanted to have an electric guitar in in uh, At what high age? school. Oh, uh, high no, school. eighth eighth grade. Eighth grade, I got an electric guitar, and uh, and I really kind of um, you know, but I never learned to play it really well. I was always more into like tuning it weird and just banging on it and mm -hmm. like playing, you know, like. So you never went to lessons or anything like that? I had a guitar class in eighth grade and, uh, you know, learned a few things and never really learned much beyond that. But, um, <laughs> um, but you know, um, I liked the sound of the guitar. I wanted to have a band. Uh, and, you know, when I started, you know, just kind of banging and making noise, then I, like, you know, when I got into college and I started seeing bands and, uh, and then I realized, like, oh, you, you know, I, I heard, like, you know, some Sonic Youth and Fred Frith and... What years were you in college? And you, you were at in, uh, in, in, uh, Ann Arbor? Uh, I was at... No, I went to Central Michigan University. Uh, Which is where? Uh, in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, uh, in 1985. Okay. Uh, 86, 80, 85, 86, yeah. you know. Bombed out of there because, you know, I was just going to the punk rock bar all the time oh. and not really going to class much and, oh. you know, just, uh, you know, my first year away from home... Um, but mainly, I was yeah, I was hanging out at this punk rock bar um, all the time, called the Foolery, Tom's Foolery. Um, <laughs> but you know, it became like uh, yeah, I was bought by this really cool guy, Harvey Veneer, and uh, and he just basically started like a punk club in the in the '80s, and it was like, you know, it was near campus, and so I would just go there all the time and mm. see bands, and uh, you know, and so I yeah, I did have the urge to have bands. Um, but it wasn't really always the dream. I was more into uh, when I was younger. I wanted to be a visual artist, mm. you know. And I took like this career test in high school that said I should be a commercial artist. 
Oh. You know, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to study commercial art because that's what my career tests, you know, my, you know. What kind of art were you making when you were a kid? Uh, just all kinds of stuff. I never, you know, I was always like the kid in class that could draw really well. Um, uh, I would just draw different things, you know. I mean, I never, <laughs> never got really serious or developed a particular style, yeah. you know. I liked working with pen and ink. Um, but, um, yeah, I was going to study, you know, and then, um, you know, that was, I went to, I was going to study that at school. Um, in and Central then, Michigan. Yeah. And it's kind of funny when you're like the kid in class that can draw, like you're like one of the two best in your class, yeah. you know, a couple, three, you know, like maybe there's two or three people that, um, can draw or paint well or whatever, um, and then you get to college and like, oh, everyone's as good as you or better, you know, it's like... Right, you know, because you, they're like tributaries from the, yeah, the uh, extremes, exact. and then you, you realize you're not nearly as good as you thought. Exactly, yeah, and so, uh, you know, that was a little discouraging, uh, but also, uh, you know, I was just, didn't really handle... Well, you know, I can't say I mishandled my newfound freedom because I you know, got educated in other, you know, music and seeing, like, cool shows. Yeah, yeah uh, you, you found a different, yeah. different education. What, what were the bands that you were going to see at that point? Who was oh, going there? Oh, it was like... Uh, um, in 85 in Michigan. Yeah, it was like... Uh, there, I remember there was a band called Private Angst that was pretty cool. They uh, <laughs> Good name. Yeah, they... Uh, <laughs> They were they were one that made an early impression on me. There was um, I saw the Crucifix, um, and uh, that that made an impression on me. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there was a rockabilly band called the King Bees. They had a song mm -hmm. called My Mistake. I remember uh, <laughs> I liked them. And sometimes you would just go like there would be like frat cover bands. They would play like uh, you know the Crucifix and... with with the guy from Sonic Youth. At some point. Yeah, Steve yeah. Shelley was... I Steve don't remember Shelley. if he was there for that gig uh, yeah. or if it was somebody else that yeah. played drums. Um, but uh, that was a wild show. I saw Doc Dark puke on stage, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Mm. You, puking on stage is a cool move. Um, mm. And uh, So, um, but then I didn't... You know, I thought it would be kind of cool, but I, I never really set out to play it, you know, because I was not, like, the musician type. Like, I didn't study. You know, there's always somebody that could play guitar really well, and oh, like I was the, not that person, so I would just do it by myself. You were myself. not a virtuoso. You were not a Yingwei Malmsteen. Right, or, right. Or you know, I could play, or like, Sokovia. kind of smoke on the water kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but I was also uh, quite you, shy as you well. You knew the, th the three chords or whatever. <laughs> yeah, not even hardly. Just the two-finger thing that you slide up and down. Mm. Um, but, um, you know, I was also a little shy, too, so I didn't have... Uh, but, you know... Um, I kind of went a little wild in college and sort of like got over my shyness a little bit and uh, um, and uh, there was an air band contest that I agreed to be in because mm. I had like yeah. crazy hair at the time so oh let's uh. get him to do it you know so we did like a Dead Kennedys cover um, and like uh, air guitar air whatever yeah it was a, it was an air band contest yeah. so we we just uh, basically like. Um, you know, it was kind of crazy. We just rolled around on the floor and splashed mm. water all over. You know, like we barely, uh, 
you know, played our instruments or anything. And what kind of crazy hair did you have? What, what, uh, what it was like, what you flavor know, of crazy hair? Uh, it was kind <laughs> of like happening. a safety hawk with, uh, you know, like, uh, that's like where you're, you kind of got a mohawk, but you, you're not going super high. It's just like a little bit above the ears, you know, oh, okay. it's the compromise safety, hawk. the compromise <laughs> mohawk, you know, it's like, you know, and then it like at one point, like had it shaved on one side and I remember I had earrings, uh, Mm. you know like having two earrings when you could get your ass kicked for uh you know oh what the f what's up with the earring in the right ear there you know and that kind of thing um when i worked at a local fast food restaurant you know people would come in and sure uh, there was that whole thing where people thought that if you had w one side meant you were gay and one didn't but but the definition always switched depending on where you were like it was, okay oh is it, it regional fluid. i didn't know that i think know. so uh but I would always get questioned about yeah. uh, having to, you know, what's up? You got both ears pierced. What's up with that? You know, and uh, so you know, basically like a pirate or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of looked. I looked a little bit like a pirate. I even had a do rag. So yeah, I kind of. Uh, yeah, Johnny Depp. Uh, yeah, yeah, got, got it before, all for me. Yeah, that fucker. Yeah. But yeah, whose life won't he ruin? I looked a little like whose life won't he ruin? <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody commented that I looked like uh, I showed an old picture and. and uh, uh, this person was like, uh, oh, you, you kind of look like Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you, you look like a wigger? <laughs> I look, uh, maybe. But, but not the music you were listening, but the music was all yeah, the music like loud was like, abrasive kind of music, right? You know, right. Uh, yeah, like SST, you know, but okay, so the foolery would also have like, you know, frat cover band kind of mm -hmm. stuff. But anyway, um, what, what kind of broke... The barrier for me was uh, I lived in Ann Arbor and uh, I really liked the Laughing Hyenas. So and, you just uh, moved there just because, or? Well, I moved to after I uh, flunked out of school in Michigan. I moved to Texas. Mm. Um, you know, because my dad lived there, and he said, "Oh, you know, you you flunked out of school. Why don't you come down here and establish residency, and then you can go to school down here?" Mm. And and uh, I was going to do that, mm -hmm. and gave Texas, Fort Worth, Texas. To, you know, I don't want to. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. It didn't really agree with me at the time, and uh, I had a friend from school say, "Hey, do you want to come and live in Ann Arbor? You want to, you know, mm. you can come and live with me." And I was like, "Yeah." Oh, so okay. I, I moved up there, and uh, and then I was still into music, and there were better record stores in yeah. in uh, Michigan, um, and uh, you know, because that Tex in Texas, I would have to get records at the Sound Warehouse, mm. and. Uh, would that be like a giant? Was that be like like a Sam Goody or, yeah, like, or uh -huh. whatever of that era? Yeah. Like, there's a bunch here, like there's Rose Records. Or yeah, Rose. yeah, Sound Warehouse was a big one. Yeah, it was like a tower kind of. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, wasn't yeah. as big as Tower, but. Yeah. Um, and then um, I moved to Ann Arbor, and then, uh, you know, like I, my musical taste kept developing, you know, mm. the further and further I got from home. And, yeah. uh, and uh, then, um, you know, I got really into, like, you know, just. Uh, you know, I liked the Laughing Hyenas, and um, and then I ended up um, becoming friends with them. Like we discovered mm. that we lived down the street from each other. Like I was a fan, and then I would run into John. What was that guy's name? John. John Brannon. Brannon. Yeah. Yeah. And I ran into him, and uh, you know, we ended up hanging out, and uh, you know, we would just go get coffee together at Espresso Royale, the coffee shop uh, in Ann Arbor, and um, had had meals started by then. Uh, no, because was that Preston was still in wig, and okay. 
And the rhythm section for the Laughing Hyenas were still in the, you know, uh, Jim Kimball and uh, yeah, right. They came Kevin from... Strickland, a.k.a. Kevin Monroe, they uh, were still uh, in the Laughing Hyenas. So, so but uh, the Laughing Hyenas and Mule were playing shows together, you know, and, uh, or, or, I mean, or, Laughing yeah. Hyenas and Wig, rather, yeah. than, sorry, and, uh. Because that was that was sort of like a super group that happened in the splinter of mm. you know both bands you know yeah and uh, you know Wig and the Laughing Hyenas like the remnants of both uh, formed became Mule, Mule. Yeah. yeah who also went through some name permutations uh, oh really that, oh they, they they were not always Mule uh, <laughs> no they had uh, yeah they had some. Uh, kind of ill-advised names before Mule. Uh, not, um, not, not probably the. Not a band that would thrive in the PC era. <laughs> no, definitely like, not, and their name was not uh, very PC yeah. either. Um, yeah. So they. Um, uh, anyway, uh, so I became friends with the Laughing Hyenas, and we were and, and Preston from mm. uh, Wig, who went on to be in Mule, and uh, and we were just like uh, we had fun. We would just drink forty ounces on the back porch uh, at this house that I was renting and uh, we'd have like an acoustic guitar with like three strings on it we'd pass it around and just start goofing around on the porch mm. and uh, and uh, I'm like wow I'm hanging out with my you know the bands that I you know like right, and, and sure. they're, they're into you know we all like would like you know kind of just like have fun and laugh and get into it and everything mm. and I'm like you know I actually think I could be kind of entertaining even though I can't play yeah um, I think uh, I could you know, I, I just kind of felt a calling, you know, like, okay, you know, like, yeah. if I'm entertaining these people whose music that I like, mm -hmm. you know, I must be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, they gave me the confidence to, uh, Were you they know, uh, about your age or were they a little bit No, older? they were a little older. A little older? Yeah, yeah. a little older by yeah. about, uh, you know, six, seven years, maybe. Oh, you know, or maybe like or five years, yeah. uh, let's see, uh, seven years, I think, okay. seven years older than me, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think they're all roughly around the same age, John and Larissa and Kevin yeah. and Jim. Um, mm. So in that, is that when Couch happened? Or it was, Yeah, it was right after that. Like that um, uh, yeah, so I decided, okay, you know what, I want to start a band. And I, j I just started playing like kind of weird, unconventional guitar by myself. Mm. And thinking like, yeah, I want to do like a weird band, you know, and then... Um, and then... Uh, I got into noise, like I discovered noise. Yeah, you know, I got into um, you know experimental stuff, like you know, like uh, you know Henry Cow and Derek Bailey and Fred uh -huh. Frith and some yeah. of the you know people like you know playing guitar like with the glass, and... like the weird composer people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just like I don't know, I was just really. But then I discovered like you know the Boredoms and uh, Hana Tarash and some of the Japanese stuff, and I'm like, holy shit! Now there's really like this, like this is more to me more punk than punk it's like we're just off the charts insane and uh and you, you know it kind of even democratized things uh even further because even when i was playing um you know trying to play with people like uh you know in music they'd say like what key are you in mm. what key like what <laughs> like you guys are really kind of square to be thinking about this key stuff you know or or i'm no good you know maybe that's a defense I, uh... mechanism like like, oh, I don't understand this, so, uh, you know. It's amazing how many different routes people take to, the, you know, whatever their success or whatever, or the longevity. But, like, I did one of these with Tom Shannon from Cheater Slicks. And yeah. He, he told me that they, 
I don't know if they learned, they tuned to each other. Mm-hmm. They, they've never tuned to any actual tuning. They just, they tune to what the other one, because it's just two guitars and a drummer. Right. And they just tune, and they're brothers. So oh, they, they okay. have this telepathy thing. Ah. And they've been playing for so long and they, they don't know how to do it any other way. They do it their way. Yeah, it's they're not, a cool band. They're they're amazing. Yeah, they're just as as loud as like they're yeah, and they found you know they have this this audience that they have and you know it's never going to be gigantic, but they keep going. They just keep going. Yeah, and yeah. I've been into that band since almost the start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost the beginning yeah. of that band. Yeah, the, the, the early nineties. Yeah, I know. I know them. I discovered them in the early nineties, and uh, yeah. You know, there's like a lot of really like cool garage rock at the time. I feel like you know, like mm-hmm. the Gorys and the Mummies and the Cheater Slicks and yeah. uh, you know, um, yeah, Mick, you know, there was a lot of kind of bad garage Mick rock. Mick produced at the time one of too. the Cheater Slicks records. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah so there, yeah, there's some definitely some interplay. There. Gibson Brothers, Bassholes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there there were a lot of uh, kind of interesting, cool garage bands then. Yeah, there's always a couple interesting, cool garage bands of, of any particular garage revival and then a lot of bad ones well most of them it's like a, it's this lifestyle kind of like fashion thing and sort of like almost cult-like behavior like rituals you know with recorded so, in the red whiskey soaked that and like like the women can only wear fucking poodle skirts and or like Betty yeah. page haircuts yeah yeah but it's they live that way it's it's sort of like cosplay it's like yeah. It's like people that are into swords and sorcery. You know? Yeah, but, but they're into like whatever, like fixing their white sunglasses, <laughs> having their car on blocks or whatever. Like it's this whole bizarre. I mean, you know, whatever floats your boat. But uh, there, there's definitely a sort of authoritarian kind of fascist, fascist edge to that shit at the outer extremes of it. There was a time here when they they had like like. Like those rockabilly nights at like these bars, you know, and those people would show up and they were like, it was like a uniform. It was like, it was a cult, you know, like, I don't know how much of it exists anymore, but it's like a motorcycle gang or something. <laughs> yeah, we, um, Lake of Dracula was on tour, uh, um, and we were playing at a radio station, uh, and they said, hey guys, uh, you know, in the middle of our yeah. perform- performance, they're like, uh, we're getting a lot of angry calls from, from the rockabilly audience because you guys are interrupting the rockabilly show. And, uh, <laughs> How are you interrupting? Well, because it? like normal, like we came through and they booked us at the time oh, that on the, the, ro- that the rockabilly oh, no, show yeah. normally is, and we're like, we're like, oh man, and so uh, it, this actually made it onto a record. I was sort of chiding that, um, you know, I was like, I'm sorry to all you rockabilly listeners out there, but uh, our music is better. <laughs> and then people like <laughs> started calling again, and then uh, even even that uh, somebody heard that record like many years later and we're on the goner message board and they're like who does this marlon magus think he is insulting rockabilly and all, and uh you know and then i think i was like sit on it fonz right <laughs> no but see the thing is that yeah if you don't conform to those rules like tom was shannon was telling me how they got into this whole thing because later there was this british band called cheater slicks oh really and they were totally into the motor uh, like, oh, the, like the car culture teddy boys or something. yeah yeah like, basically yeah. but and they were trying to convince tom that like well you guys don't 
don't pay tribute to car culture. No, because it, because that's like a tutor slick. It's those tire, those flat tires, you know, for the for the uh, hot rods. Oh, is that but, what? Yeah. Okay. But he just named it that because he he thought it sounded cool. He's yeah. not into cars at all. Right. Like, yeah. But that, yeah, he got that into a, this an whole example thing. of uh, cultural appropriation. Exactly. It, uh... Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, Tom was an English major. <laughs> like, like you know, he went. That's like a degree in library science. You know, like this is not, <laughs> it's not a gearhead. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I was at the library one time and I saw, oh, Billy Gibbons has a car book out, you know? Yeah. It was just uh, all like cars and babes but, and, you know. Yeah, that that's not the band the Cheater Slicks. That's not their thing. You know? No. <laughs> More about, I don't know, feeling bad about being in the world or something. <laughs> And <laughs> making a lot of aggressive sounds to reflect that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, like Lake Lake of Dracula, all these early bands. That, there was definitely like an like a, I don't know if it's, it's like a confrontational thing to them, right? Like in a yeah, way, yeah, definitely. seemingly intentional confrontational. Yeah, de- edge yeah, definitely. To um, you know. Um, you know, we we liked being confrontational. Um, you know, well, yeah, your guitar player in that band was like sort of like his mate. In, in Coucher, uh, Lake of Dracula. Lake of Dracula is kind of like his stock in trade, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, he's he's always uh, kind of with the jack boots and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and his jodhpurs. He's wearing the jodhpurs. And, still, uh, yeah. I, I mean, because he plays with Lydia Lunch, right? He still he still dresses that way. He's got his look. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Connolly, uh, who I was working for at Reckless at the mm-hmm. time, he said, "Hey, Jim, um, Lydia is asking me if I know any guitarists on the East Coast that could play Eight Eyed Spy kind of shit." And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Oh, yeah, I know the guy. Here's Weasel's number." <laughs> so, um, but yeah, um, yeah, um, confrontation. That, yeah. You know, I, I feel like it's always sort of like a, a little bit of an us versus them kind of energy. Um, maybe not so much now, although I still feel it, uh, you know, a little so it's bit. It's like of, a protect, protective coating kind of. Could like, be. Yeah. Could be. I'm afraid of being and hurt. Fight, so I, yeah. I'll hurt you before you hurt me. Yeah. Fighting um, against being, a, as you said earlier, a shy person that gets up on stage and does a thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Music has always of, been sort of a revenge sort of thing. Uh, yeah. You know, like revenge against you know, boring culture or mm-hmm. uh, revenge against uh, the kind of people that picked picked on you when you're young, or yeah. revenge against uh, you know, like like music always feels like it's some confrontation or act of uh, revenge in a way. But um, <laughs> but I think uh, over the years I've softened, you know, yeah. and uh, you know, just uh, I although I still have that, I still really like that sort of like us versus them. Uh, thing with the audience to some extent even though yeah. uh you know um like i love the audience and you know, <laughs> feel, feel loved by the audience like yeah. there isn't that hate you know i, I kind of liked the hatred sort of thing you know mm-hmm. when there would be like um but uh but now um I, there's still some of that dynamic at play even yeah. though it's kind of like a love relationships i feel relationship i feel like i have with the audience there's like still a certain amount of like tension that um you know, makes me when I perform, I feel like uh, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, you almost feel like it's like crowd control or something, you know, like uh, mm. like just you know, like just tapping into some primal thing, I guess, you know. 
I was trying to think the first time I ever saw you perform, and I think I think it was it was at the butcher shop. There was a show oh, at yeah. the butcher shop. Yeah, well, yeah, that was back in two thousand. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, and you were shirtless, and you had a bunch of electronic stuff going on. Yeah, and it was very very in your face. I was there with with my friend Rachel, who would have lived like next door to you, like next door to Weekend. Mm. Do you remember her, Rachel and Albert? Rachel was this blonde girl. She used to work at Leo's, and then she worked at Bite, and he worked at Jinx. I don't uh, think that might have been before my time. It was. It was. It was about that. Like what time? What years were was Weekend? Well, we lived there in '99, and then yeah. we we're open from 2000 to 2004. Oh, okay. Yeah. She. She. Yeah. By 2000, she may have. She. She was roommates with me, and we both worked at Bite together in, oh, in okay. 2000. Okay. But there were this couple, he was a musician and she was a painter and she had a gallery for a short time called Swallow in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, downstairs. Uh, but I don't know if it was next door to you or if it was the same building. Oh yeah. That's, um, yeah, I think that was just a little before. I think, yeah, maybe it was just a little before, but yeah. But me and Rachel went to that butcher shop and it was a bunch of stuff going on and you, you were one of the performers there that may have been the first time yeah i, I, I remember i remember that yeah yeah um and i didn't really understand the the music that you were making because i wasn't listening to that kind of music because yeah. i was as we were talking before we turned this on there was like whatever the rock camp and the the techno yeah camp. you're either on the rock side or the techno side and now now it. everybody likes everything yeah but, right uh, yeah. but there were thanks uh, internet <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly but yeah, at that point, I was definitely heavily into the the rock side. But but yeah, I, I was, did I did enjoy the confrontational aspect of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I switched teams in uh, '99 or so. Yeah. <laughs> after so you switched teams after the end of Lake of Dracula. Or yeah, because uh, you know uh, Lake of Dracula happened. I was turning thirty. Mm. I was like, oh, it's time for me to get serious about a career. You know? Oh. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, give up this stupid music stuff because it's clearly not going to pay any bills. And yeah. um, and then uh, was this before marriage or after? Just before. Okay. Just yeah. before. Uh, but my so-called retirement <laughs> lasted about a year. I started, you know, like I started it. Basically, I was living on Kedzie and Fullerton, mm. or near there, and uh, and I would just hear the cars on Fullerton with their stereos, just like boom. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this sounds like some of the early Hanatourage that I liked. It just oh, like yeah. I love the, but but even like you know the low rumbling of the, like the trunks. I'm like, man, I want to do something that sounds like this, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then my friend Jessica Ruffin said, oh, that's. Uh, I was like, Jessica, how do you get this sound? She's like, oh, that's synthetic bass. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, synthetic <laughs> bass. And then my mind just the gears started to turn, and I was like. Synthetic bass. I could do this with synthetic bass, and then I would see like um, my friends uh, Wolf Eyes and Quintron mm -hmm. were using drum machines, and yeah. a a Andrew WK at the beginning too. They're all using drum machines, and I'm like, oh, so you could like, you know, have synthetic bass and a drum machine, yeah, and then you could like, you know, make, you know, beats and and uh, you know, but I didn't, I but I didn't know anything about electronic music. Mm -hmm. uh, I, but then I got curious. I'm like, okay, so this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make ba gonna make beats and then have like distorted bass and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
what else is out there? How do you do this? And I, yeah, I just wanted to examine the uh, thing. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is actually good. Oh, this is good, too. Oh, this is good, too. Oh, my God. Oh, I was lied to. This, this stuff doesn't suck. Yeah. And then I wanted to, um, you know, and I just became like, holy shit, you know, like. It was like that meathead, like disco sucks thing like yeah. disco does not suck no <laughs> no yeah no you know and i fell in you know i fell into that too like yeah. you know growing up in an isolated area and not wanting to get up beat up by the burnouts you know I mean? like oh, okay i'll listen to acdc too guys you know just yeah. just don't you know punch me in the bathroom anymore you know and then and then, uh, <laughs> and then um <laughs> I, I, all it uh, takes is cranking up yeah yeah like hey i like this stuff too back in black and then right right stop, he, they stop picking he's on cool you. he's cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then i'm like oh, if, if i if, if i, if I go like, even deeper and get into like blue oyster cult then like maybe uh i could even you know and uh you know so i just yeah I, then i could be your friend <laughs> yeah i could even be better than you whoa <laughs> but uh you know <laughs> but there is there there is a certain elitism like I'll get revenge on you by going deeper than you and sure. I'll be better than you and feel cooler than you because I'm d digging deeper than you know like, well that's why like yeah there's there's level because it's so so often it's just guys so what happens it is it descends into this like sports fandom thing you know yeah even with like music nerds you know who got Swirlied or whatever, or whatever, yeah. like got yeah. beat up in high school. They found they they found their little realm, and they were going to be the king of that fucking mountain, you know. Yeah, and they're going to shit on anybody below them. Yeah, <laughs> so you got to find a different mountain to be king of. Yeah, which is uh, you know um, yeah so um, I uh, yeah so I joined uh, you, you know then I was like oh my god like like you know I went before I got into techno I went through a brief sound you know like I was really into soundtracks and I'd go to Dusty Groove all the time and buy all these Italian soundtracks Ooh, those sure. easy tempo series and all this this really cool like what do they call it like library music yeah like a lot that, of library like, music yeah. yeah library funk and progressive uh, Italian progressive you There's know so many like people doing that soundtracks kind of stuff these that, days like and recombining it in different yeah. ways yeah yeah some people are pretty good um um but, um, yeah, so then, um, yeah, then I just discovered, like, oh, my God, like, some of this stuff sounds, like, just as punk as punk, because it's just, like, this, you know, like, you know, and he, and then, like, uh, you know, even when I moved here, I had this impression of, like, what Chicago House would be like, and I thought it would be, like, everybody dance now, dun, 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 you know, and I thought it was just, like, cheesy, like, yeah. and then I'm, like, oh, my God, and then you hear, like, some of this, like, really unhinged stuff from the early days, and you're, like, oh, I was tricked again. Yeah. This is good too, you know, and like you just, you know, you just start like working backwards and discovering like, holy shit, this is amazing. And, you know, this is like so primitive and weird and wild or, you know, it's elegant in a certain way or maybe even a, in a lo-fi way. And, and It's then super just, minimal. Like some of it is so, is so pared down. It's like, yeah. it's like they took all the, that kind of like overkill like production out, you know, and it's just yeah. a couple of the things, you know. Yeah, you the know, vocals I, are all still like it's all disco stuff, you know, like yeah. And when you <laughs> you know when you discover it's just like kids in their bedroom with drum machines and mm -hmm. you know and just like weird loners and stuff like that, you know, uh, like I sort of felt, you know, because when I when I did go to Team Techno, uh, 
you know, some of my rock friends were like, whoa, what happened to him? What's he kind of Oh, were you excommunicated from the... I wouldn't say excommunicated, but definitely given the stink eye, you know, (laughs) in some, you know, way like, so you're just into music like this glow stick stuff now? Like what's, you know, like like you're into this... Like like, the rave music? Oh, yeah, here's Jim's music. Oomps, music. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would get like sort of, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, people liked what I was doing, but... There's a certain amount of like, um, you know, oh, he's into house music, you know, and I suppose like because my transformation was so quick and so immediate and so total. Do you think it was like some kind of reaction to that that band kind of like ending? It it could have been. It could have been like my band's gonna end. None of this kind of rock like, music. I'm, I'm gonna erase all of it. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm done <laughs> I'm gonna, with. I'm gonna burn it off. Yeah, I'm, to I'm the done ground. with this left of the dial, t- trebly rocky here on college radio. <laughs> so I, you know, as part of my research, I actually went and watched that movie, Lake of Dracula. Yeah, which is oh, fun. You know, I, I uh, it stole the title before I saw the movie. The movie was cool. The it's a cool. It's a it's a cool like like kind of hip. Japanese seventies, you know, Dracula movie. Yeah, I just saw the. Um, it's a cool name. <laughs> I saw. I was in a San Francisco video store, and I just saw the video cassette case, and I was like, "Lake of Dracula." Yeah. What the hell? Like he's got a summer house or something? Like you know, well, he, which is kind of what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like sub, suburban Japanese Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I uh, like you know I had my pad of names, and I was trying to think yeah. of the, you know, <laughs> the name for the new band, and I was like, oh. And then, like, like a bolt of lightning. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's sort I of like, really yeah, cross purposes with any of like the vampire myth or whatever. Like vampires that aren't really usually into very into water. <laughs> water is not like their friend. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like water too much, so that that makes it even more interesting. It's Lake of Dry. Is like it's the whole lake of instead of water. It's not like it hurts them or anything, unless it's holy. But uh, they just don't have a preference for. They don't like to hang out at the beach. There's a good one in one of the Hammer ones. He he falls through the ice and oh yeah, Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's a really beautiful scene where he he perishes. Like his cloak is like the last thing you see, and he's drowning in in the split through the ice. Yeah, those Christopher Lee Draculas are good. Yeah, which is right before the like the Lake of Drac, because that was like the sixties. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. a good one where he comes back. It's called Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. I was just talking about that movie with the it's hippies so doing the satanic. Uh... Yeah, he goes into swing in London and goes and kills hippies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The guy drips the blood into uh, like master. Yeah, he's like the new Renfield and the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. A fun one. yeah, that's a good one. I was just talking about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, speaking of yeah, like weird like rockabilly revivals. The first time I ever saw that movie was in New York. I was in art school. I went to I went to Parsons for one semester, one ill-fated semester in the fall of nineteen eighty nine. Oh wow! And there was it must have been for Halloween. They were showing that, and this band called the A Bones was playing. Mm. The A Bones. I remember that band. Yeah. Norton Records. Yeah, Norton Records uh, was the A Bones. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Billy Miller and uh, yeah, what's her Miriam name? Miriam Lena. Yeah, uh huh. It was that. It was it was really cool. But that's the first time I ever saw that movie. Uh, it was for an event. Cool. So yeah, but but you yeah you destroy you've 
threw all the rock me rock music away and yep, went yep, to the I, side of the machines. Yep, I killed uh, yeah, <laughs> killed, killed rock, killed and, rock roll. and roll and in then, the year uh, two thousand. Yep, is that the date that, that you yeah that would be about the year the music died. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah no so luck. so yeah, I was done with music, done with any rock and roll. Um, and uh, you know, uh, wanted to t- tell everybody else, hey, you guys, this stuff doesn't suck, and we started a store. Um, Right, which was weekend. Uh huh. Yeah, and uh, and then you know, I just felt like, you know, I felt like Prometheus with fire. Like, hey, you guys, look this. I don't know if I ever bought any music from that store. I definitely bought some soap from that store. Yeah, uh, I will remember going in there sometimes, but I I don't think I understood the music that you were selling. Like it was. Yeah, that, it was I too heard. Early I heard me. that from people. They like they didn't understand it, or they were intimidated, even. Like yeah. You know, like if you knew me, you would know that. Oh, you could talk to me, and I'll talk. I'll talk to you all day about. No, you were you always know. very approachable, yeah. but like the music was like this whole other world that, kind of like in that in the interview with the coffee place, you were talking about being intimidated about going to Gramophone. Yeah, which is Gramophone is its own like little universe. Yeah, early. Yeah, yeah early uh, on, I did. You know, but yeah. I would go there. Yeah. I felt like, you know, I had to, like, you know... Um, yeah, since you were into this new world, you had to go to the one of the temples. This yeah. This is the mecca of that, so you gotta yeah. go to that. Yeah. And I always felt like everybody knew something that I didn't know, like, about something about DJ, you know, and I just, you know, again, I felt like, I don't know if this is my world, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I felt like I was such a nerd, you know? Yeah. But, you know, curious enough to, uh, you know, go in there and do my research, and, and you know, there wasn't really much on... The internet per se at the time about the stuff that I was interested in. Well, also the the problem with a lot of that dance music and house and stuff is that the labels have nothing to do with what the music is. Like usually they don't even have anything. Like you couldn't oh, like you could pick up any uh, almost any other genre of music and look like at the liner notes or something or the picture and have some clue as to what you're getting. With a lot of that dance music, you don't. I, I, I well, a lot of the time I feel like uh, like. It's somewhat consistent, uh, or you can find some consistency with the labels. Mm. You know, like a label might have a certain sound or a certain right. aesthetic because the label is often composed of either like-minded artists or aliases of, you know... They, yeah, it's all, all like one They could be artist-run, and then the, that artist will have various uh, aliases. They keep all suing each other. I read these stories about... Like tracks records, like oh yeah, one, oh yeah. One found like one founder suing the other founder for whatever you know. They're just scrambling, fighting over whatever scraps there are to be made from. Yeah, there was a lot of thievery, uh, you know, in the house music scene. You know, like uh, you know, people stealing each other's names or people, you know, like you know, bad record contracts signed and lawsuits and you know, people just trying to you know like. Uh, which is, I mean, it's sort of, there's an irony to that since so much of that music is made of pre-recorded parts already. It's like another whole layer, you know? Of... Yeah, a lot of, you know, drum machines and, yeah, disco samples and stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's like the recontextualization of something, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah. Andy Warhol's Campbell soup can. Is it uh, is it art or is it a Campbell's soup, you know? Um, and, you know, you could... Say well, you know, when they set it to this beat, it became, you know, I, I don't know, you know, it's it's interesting. But so, yeah, your your store the weekend didn't feel like gramophone. It didn't feel that way, you know, like that you were in like a some sort of like 
clubhouse for whoever. You know? Yeah, I, I, like I, like I, I just really wanted to explain in layman layman's terms why I liked a particular record. You know, I couldn't say so much like, oh, this is tech house with a side of like with a, you know, I, yeah. I, I didn't have the technical terminology or the even the historical context to be able to. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, to me, I'd be like, oh, man, listen to this weird record. And somebody would go, oh, yeah, you remember this classic from back in the day, don't you? And I'd be like, oh, uh, yeah, no, I don't, you know. But eventually, I did, you know. Like, sure. Like, at first, I was just kind of, like, curious and interested. And then over time, I, you know, and through the, you know, customers, you know, would, you know, I just, just learned and worked backwards and, you know, then did kind of become somewhat knowledgeable. And how Over long time. did the how long did the store last? Uh, about three and a half years. Yeah, yeah, not super long, but we we started with such a small amount of money, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and the, I mean, in that neighborhood, in that time, you know, it was uh, it was really when it was starting to change. Was then, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was just uh, there wasn't much there when we got it, but then it just like. Because you know. yeah, I'd moved back to Chicago in '97, and I lived at Western and Division, and I'd walk. To Leo's for for breakfast, and there was nothing for the first couple of years, and then and then that that fucking uh, sushi place opened, and that was like the connection. Marai Sushi, yeah. yeah. I was like, I knew what was, you know, I'd lived in neighborhoods that changed before. <laughs> I knew what was gonna happen, and yeah, it did. It took a little while, but like, that's <laughs> a fucking sushi place. Like, oh no, here it comes, <laughs> right? <laughs> and. Gradually, everything cool disappeared to now, where all that's left is the Rainbow Club, and everything else is a fucking sports bars and tire shops still there. Yeah, that's true. Us, that tire shop, they fucking saved my ass one time. I was, I was driving. It was when I was driving a cab, and with that same fucking woman, Rachel, she was in the passenger seat for some reason. We needed to stop at the. Uh, post office down division there yeah used to be a post office now it's a a gym some they used to be like the local post office near ashland on division and i somehow managed to lock the cab with the engine running and they they were able to jimmy the door open oh, okay i ran down the street and <laughs> be, before i fried the fucking car you know like yeah they, yeah they totally saved my ass Cool. But yeah, that's crazy that a thing like that could survive the the tire shop. <laughs> and were you living in the same build in the in the weekend? Place? Yeah, we started yeah. out living behind the store because yeah. it was zoned as a mixed use space. Yeah. And you know, we gave up a nice apartment in Logan Square to mm -hmm. like you know live sure. squished up in the back of the store. But you do it to you know because you have yeah. you know you make sacrifices to pursue dreams. And, yeah. Uh, so we lived in the back and then. When things started going better, we knocked down the wall and moved upstairs. Mm. And then we're like, oh, we had a slow winter. And then we had to like move back down, you know, re oh, right, re yeah. rebuild a wall and, oh, uh, no. <laughs> and uh, move back downstairs again, you know. And what, wh when was your kid born? Was that around then sometime or was it uh, We closed the store. Oh, and you, then, oh it was uh, after. Yeah, and then uh, I had our daughter in 2006. Oh, okay. I don't know that I've... I'm not sure if I've ever met your daughter. I don't know. Yeah, she's 16 now. 16? Yeah. I was about to ask, yeah. Yep, driving. Yeah, that... Like, you know, learner's permit style, yeah. but, you know. 
that happens. That'll happen to them. Yeah. <laughs> they keep I've like lost a, a succession of friends once, you know, they go and have kids and then they're they're gone for at least a decade. Yeah, and then they're back. They're, yeah, because then they want to do adult shit again. Yeah. <laughs> My best friend Frank, who I went to school school with and he lives in Riverside and he's got two kids, the second of whom is about to go to college, you know. Now he wants to do, sh- you know, he wants to go drink all, you know, right? Like every week or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take me back. I'm, I'm sorry I ignored you for twelve years. Yep, I'm back. But I understand. Yeah, you know, everybody makes these choices. Yeah, <laughs> but that's why you know I end up just, you know, make, making friends or at least being acquaintances with younger and younger people because, because they're the only ones that live this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dedicated to their stupid uh unrealizable dreams <laughs> you know? yeah yeah well uh you know uh foregoing families we and all, all that other shit yeah yeah <laughs> i uh yeah i've given up on giving up <laughs> it's too late after time i mean like what the fuck else are you gonna do you know there's yeah, yeah, and you realize that, you know, well, this is what I was meant to do, you know, and pursuing this, uh, you know, comes with some, you know, you you don't go up the corporate, I mean, you don't necessarily go up the corporate, you know, I mean, if you want to, yeah, this if is, you want this, to get this good, is my, this is my corner office, this is about it, this is as yeah, good as it's going to the listeners get. who can't see, we're looking at, you know, there's paintbrushes, uh, paints, uh, you know, all kinds of, like, artist supply. It really looks like an artist lives here. And that's, uh, you need a workshop. You need uh, a place to work. And you need the tools of your trade. Man, And I you can, need time. Yeah, I, I you need set, time. So if you're going to... decorator so much money to make it look this way. <laughs> <laughs> well, very authentic. I know. It looks real, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you know, if you do forego, uh, you know, um, a so-called traditional uh, career in order to have the time to pursue your art, um, you know, there are certain things that you know, like, uh, yeah. Anyway, you know, there's plus pros and cons to everything. It's a, no, it's amazing to me. I'm always impressed with anybody that that's done both or like had any part of a tradition, like. Oh, having, like like, like I fam- manage hedge, hedge funds, uh, and also have this no one. having a fucking kid. Oh, having a kid, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's some amazing like you. I don't know Brian Case. Is not yeah, one. he's got a couple. Yeah, and his son's got a band. Yeah, it was doing very well that band. That's great. <laughs> they're a cool band, Lifeguard. Lifeguard. Yeah, I got to check them out. Yep, cool. I, have a, I have a sketch of them playing at Talia Hall. Oh, cool. Yeah, they they were on a bill of all like teenager bands, like the big, the new coming teenager bands. And oh, I think that was Brian's like proudest moment of his life. I think. Oh, amazing! <laughs> yeah, yeah, his kid's got very cool rock star hair. He's got a big. Yeah, I've seen, seen it. Pictures yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> runs, yeah. In, runs in the family. I guess so. Yeah, it's funny. Brian used to have a lot of hair. That's also. true. Not not quite. I don't think he had quite as an impressive no, not, as his kid does. No, but uh-uh. like, <laughs> his kid's got full on rock star hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he yeah he went into the family business, which is not the way it's supposed to happen. But you're supposed to rebel. <laughs> the family business. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. When you have cool parents, how do your kids rebel? You know. I know. He see. He should have become like a hedge fund manager or something. Yeah. <laughs> you would think. Yeah, switch it up and earn some money just before they're born, so they can so, re- rebel against you and be cool. So is your were you a rebel that way? What did, what did your family do for like business or? Uh, my mom did not work. She raised my brother and I. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents split up when I was like you know second third grade. But my mm-hmm. dad did a variety of uh, jobs. He was a uh, campus cop he was a private detective he worked in the oil business he wow. was a garbage man for a brief time you know which i so thought he was, was, you he was know, looking for looking around huh? yeah did a lot of stuff you know the private detective thing was but uh pretty interesting but he um was a school bus driver in, in his later years mm. um so he really liked in texas or? yeah in texas yeah he really liked uh driving the school bus did he move to Texas for work, or was it just part of the, the yeah, breakup or whatever? Work. Yeah. Well, you know, probably a bit of both, yeah. you know. It seems like a big cultural shift. It's a different place. Going to Texas, yeah, absolutely. From, from Michigan? And it's, yeah, it's pretty, I found it to be uh, a little Michigan? too jarring for my yeah. taste. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't. It, was it Upper Peninsula? Yeah, so, yeah. I, I grew up yeah in the UP, and then you know went to the Lower Peninsula for school, and then you know, returned to the Lower Peninsula in Michigan. But then, then I moved here in the 90s in Chicago. Yeah, moved to the the capital of the whole middle of the country, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. Um, I mean, this is where else the fuck are you going to go? You can go here or you go to the coasts, right? The, those are the choices if you want to live in a city. Yeah. In this country. Yeah, yeah having grown up in the country, I... Uh, just sort of gravitated to the city, I guess, you know, like, cause it's like where stuff happens. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how people in the country do it. I find it unbearable. Like I've lived in cities all my life though. I can't, I, I last a day or two and then I start like, you know, climbing the walls. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I have fantasies about, Oh, it'd be nice to have a nice little rural house, a half hour from the city that you could like yeah. drive, you know, you know, have some space, have like, you know, own a, you know, have a whole house. I mean, you know, I kind of, you know, just I, ideas, you know, I like to sort of like be open-minded about, you know, living. I, but I do like living in the city, you know. Yeah. I mean, you seem to have a nice setup here for yourself. Yeah, this is great. And yeah, this was, this happened because of, well, uh, the people that own this house, uh, they've been slowly rehabbing it. The upstairs has been they haven't lived up there for over a year now because they've been gut rehabbing it. But they rehabbed this part earlier, and they were renting it out for Airbnb. Okay. And then they, I mean, Airbnb is a real hassle because you got to vet the people that come in. You got to you got to clean the you shit. You got to clean out it, it every yeah. time. So they took a you know a hit money wise, but like it's steady. Like they don't have to, and they they were having this big construction project coming up, and I've lived here through the whole project i'm okay. just used to like construction noise yeah yeah upstairs yeah that's your hana garage <laughs> exactly well I, I traded so the first year i lived here they were i moved here at the, like a month or two into lockdown it was just like that's okay how it happened i've been here two and a half years but uh uh so i traded you know uh, uh two two adults and a four-year-old and a dog running up and down for you know machine noises yeah it's, it's you just get used to it yeah i mean the big really the big uh 
uh, adjustment was moving from a top floor to a bottom floor. Like, I, I was living on the third floor of, of a house okay. before this. Now I'm on the ground floor. Yeah. It's just getting used to sounds overhead. Right. It's different. But, yeah, they were... The couple that owns this house were regulars at the Skylark where I was bartending. That's, oh, cool. that's how this happened. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, I, have, I have a very good deal, and it's for people I respect. You know, it's not, a, it's not some corporation. Right. Where are you living these days? I'm in Jefferson Park. Oh, you're, you're way up there. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been up there a long time? Uh, well, uh, Bridget and I moved to Portage Park. Bridget, okay. uh, yeah. my then wife, yeah. uh, uh, and then we bought a house in Portage Park. Mm-hmm. And then we split up uh, at the beginning of 2019, and then I moved into a house with some other fellows uh, in Jefferson Park. Mm. So I'm close to my daughter, you know, and... Uh, she stays with, with Bridget? Yeah. 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 In, in, in your own yeah. house? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, you know, I have roommates, you know, but it's a nice, you know, they're nice, and it's a, and it's a nice big house, and... People are musical and everything, you know. So, so how long? Noise, noise isn't a problem, right? After after weekend ended, what did, did you start at Reckless then? Right after, or was there I, I worked gap? at the Virgin Mega Store for a little bit, oh, you know, yeah. because I just kind of wanted to get out of the neighborhood. Uh, yeah, you know, just I didn't want to. Oh, why'd you store close? Why'd you store close? You know, right. so uh, sure. And uh, so I went to you know and worked down there for a bit, and then I was like, you know, I don't think I'm. You know, after after a while, I didn't. You know, I, I was thinking that I would like to work at Reckless if they had any openings, mm. and they did. You know, and uh, so I I went there, and uh, you were at Reckless for a while. For, I was, yeah. yeah, for a good long time. Yeah, yeah, fifteen years, I think. 14, really? 14 long, 15 oh, wow. years, yeah. yeah. Two thousand four to two thousand, yeah, two, yeah, fifteen, fifteen years. And, and now you're driving, or are you still doing that, or did yeah. you stop? Yeah. yeah, no, I'm still doing that. Um, you know, it's a good side hustle. You know, flexible. You know, you yeah. can, you know, you can earn a bunch of money fast, and then you know, take a little time to work on, you know, your the thing that you want to be yeah. working on. How's the wear on the car, or are you, are you renting them from? No, from, from... Um, it. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I mean, it's putting a lot of miles on it. Yeah. So, you know, eventually it'll, you know, expire, I yeah, guess. So, of, so it'll drive it to a premature death, I'm, yeah. I'm sure. But, you know, then I guess I'll get another, you know, make payments on another one or something like that. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, or not do this or, you know, you never know what life will bring. So, um, but it's what I'm doing for a side hustle for the time being. And I, I it, it agrees with me. You did it for, uh, I mean, not rideshare, but, you know, cab driving for a number of, Twelve years. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, nine here. Yeah, three in Boston. Yeah, long, long ass time. No, I was, I was definitely done. Yeah, I, I, you know, enjoy it. Yeah, you know, driving people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if if I could have stood sitting in a car any longer, I might have considered continuing. Yeah, but I would have totally like stolen any customers from them. I would have made side deals with those people like and just gotten them to call me you know and worked out oh the yeah last, last few years in the i don't back, do that because you could get deactivated uh 
pronto for doing something like that. No, but you, you know, you turn the fucking thing off and you know, like, say you're off. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, there's always a way around. Yeah, no, but in the last three, four years in my cab career, at least half of my customers were just texting me. I wasn't ever turning on the meter, you know. We oh, wow. I knew how much the fares were. They did too. And they'd give me whatever it was, you know. Yeah. And I got that's when I first got a square reader because. The fuckers were like they were raping me on the on on the charges. They charged like between five and ten percent to catch the fucking things, and that's it's just not right, you know. Like that's, yeah, that's not right. I found out about Square, which charged two point nine percent. Okay, like, and so I would just run all my fares on on my phone, you know, like yeah. instead of using the the their machine, right? Uh, and I, I would absolutely do that with rideshare you know because because fuck them F fuck those tech bros i drove for them for a couple of months right before quitting uh cab in 2012 that's when they came in and they just they were in a share space in river north and there were these kind of like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed kind of like tech children you know like that were running the chicago office of uber oh, okay it yeah was, yeah it was definitely like and they gave me this iPhone, and it was yeah, it was like a crystal ball into the future. Like this is, this is the horrible future that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> and the cab companies took no notice of it, and now they're dead. Right. And it's their fault. Right. <laughs> I have zero zero sympathy for those. I companies. mean, I, yeah, like, I mean, I, I feel bad for the people that had the medallions, and you know. It, oh, it's worse worse in New York where there are over a million. Oh yeah. That's why people are committing suicide. But right here at the top end. It was over three hundred grand for a medallion, three or four hundred grand. Yeah, you can get one now for twenty or yeah. maybe less. I, I, I don't heard know somebody, why. I, I heard don't know. somebody say ten. I had yeah. a passenger. Yeah. I don't know why you would pay anything. You know, like, right? Like why you can't get? I mean, I tried. So I don't, I don't use smartphones. Yeah. Except for to to as backup recording for my yeah. very very famous and popular talk show, <laughs> but uh, so I can't use Uber. So, the, the very few times I ever need a taxi, like, I try to book a taxi in advance, and they didn't come. Yeah. Like, they just, there's so few drivers, and, so, you know, it's just dead. It's, that business is dead. Yeah. You might be able to catch one downtown now and then, or at the airport, but yeah. that's about it. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they even bother, you know? Right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a weird thing, but like yeah, this new thing is that is a taxi, and it's just you know a matter of time before they start you know regulating it properly and insuring it properly, you know, instead of what's going on now. <laughs> that it's it's a it's a weird thing to watch. Yeah. So how long? Um, so during like the weekend and all that stuff was when you were. Music-wise, you were doing like mostly the solo thing with with singing or without with, with singing with singing. Yeah, because like when we were talking about like at the butcher shop, you were definitely singing. Yeah, yeah. So I was singing, um, and uh, yeah, you know, decided that I was going to sing. You know, that it would be, you know, because I, you know, at first I made an instrumental EP. You know. Oh really? Yeah, but then I decided, oh well, maybe if I started singing again. You know, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I could, you know, let me, and I started singing again, and then that seemed to be a little more uh, engaging to the audience, you know? 
Oh, because so the first, the instrumental EP didn't feel like it connected or like people weren't like you. Yeah, you know, like playing live, I started doing some songs where there was singing and people seemed to like them better yeah. than, the, than just the instrumental songs. Yeah. And uh, so I started, you know, I just, you know, started singing. It just seemed like, a, you know, you could get the party going a little better, yeah. you know, that way. You know, <laughs> engaging with people, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I did that, you know, and then, then, I don't know, you know, around 2009, I'm like, you know, or, you know, around the, the next decade, I was like, you know what, I'm going to stop doing this. Stop the singing. Yeah. Yeah. And you were able to build up, well, by then you probably knew a lot more about all these, all that gear that. Yeah, yeah, I got better at op- yeah. yeah, definitely got better at operating it. I learned to produce my own music, you know, uh, like uh, you know, in the beat, you know, I just got better at it. Yeah, definitely. But was yeah? There was something in that interview in the coffee shop interview about the the changing from the digital to the analog instruments or the equipment. Oh yeah, uh-huh. that was like a, yeah. a huge like. I think you were going to record something, and then they the people in the in the record label or in the recording place transposed music from digital to analog that's exactly it yeah um uh, it was uh adam and nicola from adult um they were like hey you know yeah we could we could because uh, i have the mc505 groove box which is a cool little thing and they they were like you know we could uh transpose your parts from this groove box to the analog you know and, and how did like, they explain like what did they explain the advantage like it would just sound better. It would sound it better. Would just sound yeah, better. yeah, and and I knew that already. You did know that. I did know that, but I just thought it was another world. I couldn't like you know like oh I don't know how all these different drum machines and so know. is it just like a wider spectrum of sound on an analog? Is that like if you were gonna just crudely like yeah I mean it's a, it's a lot of magic. It's like uh you know a, a sound. Um, you know, like the, the, you know, the drums hit harder, the bass tones are growlier and more, like, not as harsh sounding, um, you know, they, uh, um, you know, it just, and, and they tend to misbehave a little bit just to give them a certain, like, just a little, you, you know, it's rather than uh, getting, like, you know, a sample of a sound, like, played exactly the same way over and over, um, yeah. you, you know, you might get, like, the the analog artifacts are just, you know, just kind of some life and some dirt and some, uh, you know, unpredictability and, and also like beefiness. and uh, Right, which is all your re- remnant feelings from your like rock days where you wanted it to be like made by humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to totally become a machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, um, definitely... Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I just found that it sounded cooler. Just, I mean, it just sounded better. You know, so much better in so many ways. I'm like, oh, now the kick drum like really feels like it's gonna put holes through the wall. You know, punch holes through the wall. And before it all sounded like, you know, a bit tepid maybe. And uh, mm. you know, so I just found, you, you know, I mean, not that that can't be done digitally, but I don't know. Sometimes digital uh, sound has uh, a bit of a harshness if you stack up many digital sounds on top of one of one another um yeah they, they can sound a bit um you know hard in the ears um you know i'm not you know i think digital is cool like you know i'm not 
you know, uh, I mean, I did have, go, like, uh, I've come to embrace digital more, you know, I kind of... Oh, so now you use it? I, you know, I'll, I'll use a little bit, like a little frosting on the cake. You know, the cake will be the analog stuff, but then maybe a little <laughs> cool, like, you know, um, I wouldn't rule out a sound just because it's digital, you know? Yeah. And uh, nor then either, you know? And, but uh, basically, since that thing with the adult, uh, like, you've been more concentrated on the analog yeah equipment. yeah yeah my my focus is on mostly analog stuff and then um you know analog drum machines analog um keyboards and i just you know i didn't i didn't think that uh you know i'm like well i can't afford this and then you know somebody said oh well i'll say this keyboard for like a couple hundred bucks i'm like oh you know yeah. like and then you know and then uh you know just being in the right you know oh wow now i need this and you know, just being at the right place at the right time and knowing people and stuff. Like, oh, I hear, hey, I heard you were looking for an ARP Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, I've got one for sale, you know. Or like being at weekend and saying, you know, I need an 808. And there's a guy in the store who turns around and goes, I've got an 808 I could sell you. You know, it's like, you know, just being, uh, you know, there's one way to get what you want. Ask for it, you yeah. know. So Yeah, um, you were saying in the interview about how the, the time when you were doing the music for that Ozzy Argento movie and you need yeah. a, was it a Rhodes? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that, that yeah, you, that you was my, one. that was my thought of, as to uh, how I could make the kind of sound that I wanted because I read the script and I just kind of imagined this kind of like, you know, darker lighting, you know, kind of, and I just like, I mean, I felt like, I felt, and I was like this, I, I wanted the time period to be authentic so that all the instruments had come from before 1984 or five, mm. whenever the film was supposedly taking place, I didn't want anything from the future. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, uh, and I, th I think that the Rhodes just has like a nice sound that blends well with everything. It's kind of evocative and warm and, uh, and then, yeah, you gave me uh, like an outtake of that to use for a book trailer Yeah. of that music, Yeah. which is very cool. Yeah. I just, very recently reposted that. Oh, did you really? Because I, I was I was actually looking for it once. I'm like, you know, uh, I can, uh, I'll tell you where it is now. Oh, it's on. It's, it's got a forever home. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I built a subsite off my art website for video stuff. Oh, cool. You know? And it's yeah, it's not on YouTube or anything. It's just or Vimeo. It's just on my site. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It it exists. It's cool. Yeah. I had three different trailers with three different kinds of musics. You know, like. Yours was one of them, and but that was a cool. Yeah, I I, I rewatched that movie recently. That's a really good movie. Yeah, I, I yeah, I was very proud of the work that I did for that, and uh, it was really like one of the, you know, at the time, well, and still uh, remains to be like one of the I feel like artistic high points in my mm -hmm. career because, uh, you know, it had always been my dream to score a film, and um, you know, to have the chance to score her film I you know and you know we had started talking on Twitter yeah and I'm like you know I said well I'm happy to give you what you want but um what I really want to do is score please give yeah. me give me the chance and I will not fuck it up just you know I like I'm not you know it's I, I haven't done this but I was you know I will work till the till it's right and yeah I will I will I will do a I'll, I will do the film justice I will do a good job and it's, uh why it, it, I try to look around and there's like no place to find that. There's not a soundtrack soundtrack. No, there, there's not a soundtrack soundtrack. 
Is that just like a budget thing? They just um, you know, there was a label that was going to put it out uh, once upon a time, and I think the deal fizzled. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, it is a nice, nice soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe somebody will pick it up. Uh, now that they're reissuing everything that's ever been recorded. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that I don't think that Midwich has the licensing muscle yeah. to pull yeah. that off, you know. But um, somebody could. You know, it'd be nice if somebody. Yeah, because there's a variety of music on that. There's there's a lot of music lot, on that thing. A yeah. lot of music in it. Yeah. Well, because the music is so important to the the char the characters. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie yeah, Gainsbourg. Was... You know, banging maniacally on the piano and stuff. <laughs> yeah, playing Rachmaninoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so that was uh, like I really loved doing that, and man, I would love to do that again because. Um, I, uh, and, and, you know, at the, you know, I figured what would happen when I did that, everyone would be like, oh my God, this guy made right. amazing music. We're going to like, right. everybody will be, Hollywood's going to come knocking at my door and, uh, you know, it just doesn't work that way. No. Uh, 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 you know, I mean, you have to be in Los Angeles, I think. Well, you have to. You, have don't, you don't have to be, but it helps. And, uh, and, um, but, but not necessarily because you know when you know i had a few little nibbles of things mm -hmm. that were like maybe going to come to fruition and yeah. you know nothing really panned out per se but i was like well you know i i'll make i'll continue to make records because i love making records yeah. and uh you know but then when i made this record i did like four videos because i'm like this will get you know this will get me you know i i, I love uh merging music and yeah. video I, I, it was fun to watch the one video where to realize that you're on the top of the co-prosperity sphere. Yeah. It was like, I, I, I was looking Good at it, I, I, well, I instantly recognized the church because I have paintings of that church. Oh, okay. I used to live there. It was like, oh, no I know, kidding. I know where he is. And then I was like, then I slowed it down. I was like, oh, I know exactly where he is. Yeah. It's, it's just down the street from here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so so yeah that was uh, yeah so that was and yeah, then you was... get Ozzy Argento's like a guest guest vocals <laughs> yeah she gave me the return the favor of uh, you know I worked on her thing so she gave, you know worked on mine and uh, you know that's nice when that happens yeah yeah we're you know pals and she liked the you know so yeah it was cool that she did that yeah but as far as yeah you know, all the Hollywood dreams yeah I mean I I thought a similar thing when you know. John McNaughton optioned my cab book. And I remember I thought, that. I thought that, that it would just be become a movie. Yeah. And now it's 11 years later, and we're friends. We work on, like, I just did a whole layout for, basically, it's a graphic novel. Yeah. That's going to, it's not going to be for sale, but it's to interest people in this movie project that he's been working on for years. And a yeah. friend of his did all the art, but I, I know how to make books, so I made this, basically, did all the design on this book but the, the cab thing you know at this point could become a an interesting period piece because it's a, a thing from another time young people don't even know what a, a taxi is. maybe i'll have know? to transpose it, <laughs> it could, yeah it, it could tra yeah except that like visually taxis look so much better than, oh of course you know, like, yeah cinematic yeah cinematically it's, more than like a prius you know yeah. like no but last which i drive i, yeah, I love oh, yeah. it but well, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember having the thought that, like, you know, when the electric cars were just coming in, if the cab company, there was some talk about it, but there were, all these people were so fucking cheap, they never invested. 
If they had just all gone electric cars, it's perfect for a taxi because you have a hub where you can always swap out, either swap out the battery or just plug it in. Yeah. And you never have to go more than a couple hundred miles, you know, it's perfect. Right. But they, but they, you know, the upfront expense of it was like these people are always shifty and kind of fly by night. They would never invest long term, you know, in a thing like that. Right. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to have some kind of alternative fuel thing, you know, for, for taxi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, it's it's still going. And the last time we talked about the the, the cab thing, he was gonna he wrote a bunch of episodes for like a TV show with okay, he made like a TV Bible or something. Uh, uh, not quite a Bible, but like he he wrote like scripts for like five or six episodes, and I, I guess it kind of made the rounds for a short time somewhere. But uh, last time we talked about it, like we were talking about how it would be cool to just set it in the '90s and the pre pre-internet days you know which yeah. you know, i started in the 90s so right it would totally work yeah but visually in every other way story-wise it would be more interesting because you know cell phones just kill so much so so much narrative possibilities because you can just look everything up and the crime is solved or whatever like yeah it just kills off any kind of intrigue <laughs> in yeah. a million different ways so, but who the fuck knows if that ever happens? That would be nice, but like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, you know, I, because I have a daughter here, I don't want to move to New York or LA and, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, but you know, there's an interesting film community here and I think that, oh, yeah. I don't know, I'm a, I'm kind of a believer in sort of like taking, you know, where you're at and making something, you know, uh, right where you are, you know, be, you know, so, you know, I, I would like to, you know, like, I don't know, I just get ideas about like, oh, I could make a movie, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, get a camera and, you know, I mean, uh, you, you know, can it's like, one, you can shoot one on a fucking iPhone. They make beautiful movies on yeah. iPhones now. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Soderbergh made that one on, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, so I, I just really, uh, I'm, I've been kind of, uh, you know, meeting some film people here and just sort of, uh, you know, becoming, become really inspired about, uh, you know, what could actually happen in Chicago, you know, mm -hmm. if people, you know, set their mind to it, you know, it's a, it's a great place to work. It's not a great place to be famous. It's not right. what it's for, you uh -huh. know, for better and, and worse. <laughs> but yeah, I can't imagine leaving. It's like the best place ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it, you know, <laughs> and yeah, the, it's cool that yeah the, the your new record it's like it seems like a a combination of a lot of stuff like seems to compile some there's like echoes to other older stuff but yeah yeah definitely it's uh you know there's a lot of uh, kind of diverse material on there but it's mm -hmm. all sort of like unified through my lens you know my sort of unique sensibilities I guess and um, you know but it does you know um, have a lot of uh, you know, ideas packed into it. So you're going to go off on, like, when's the world tour start? <laughs> I, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. Like, touring has kind of ground to a halt for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I'm not against, I, I would like to tour. Um, yeah. I had aspirations of uh, touring, you know, when this record came out. And, and you know, um, 
you know, people will say, well, you know, does your record have any reviews? And, you know, like even getting press is, you know, for me has been difficult. Um, well, nobody gets paid to write reviews of anything. I mean, I, I you know, I'm right. not, from, not from, I'm, I'm in that position all the time. I get pitched, well, now book, books and art reviews, because that's what I do for the reader a lot, yeah. you know? And I get... I did get a reader review. The reader was uh, the one place that did review the record, you know? Who, who wrote... Did Leor? J.R. and... J.R. Uh, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. And, yeah, Gossip Wolf, J.R. Right, and yeah. uh, Leor. Um, J.R., who's now a, a bookstore owner, which yeah. is really, really cool. Yeah, I'm very happy for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Leor Lior is a really nice guy. He, he, yeah, did, he did one of these with me. There's oh, one, yeah. There's one with him. He's, a, he's an interesting guy. Yeah, they're both great guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, but they, you know, I, the reader definitely came through with the review, but, you know, it's kind of like everything is like, well, you need reviews to get gigs, and, I mean, I mean not necessarily, you can do it without, um, yeah. but it helps to get, you know, to, you know, I mean, it's not like, uh, you, you, you want to create awareness that the album exists outside of, yes. you know, you, you want it to have an exponential, uh, life, if possible. <laughs> Right and yeah, as I mean, since you're you're running a record label, like, do you deal with any kind of distribution beyond like yourself? Like, yeah, that, that's a big problem. Yeah, I, just, I run I, into with books is like I'm not part of any distribution, so it's just me. I I do have uh, distributors. You do. That's cool. I do have distribution. Um, not as not as many as there was, uh, you know, five years ago. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them have shuttered. Um, sure, but um, yeah, I, I do have that. But you know, I've never, I've never had a publicist. I've never had a booking agent. I've never had a manager. Um, right. Like in terms of uh, as an artist, yeah. I've been completely like. I mean, you know, my new album is about as DIY as it gets because I recorded everything. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there were some collaborations, and yeah. there was one track that. Uh, Electronic at did a lot of the production on mm. you know it was a collaboration but um, but for the most part I did everything myself you know I recorded everything myself I sent I had people master it and, sure. and do the plating and stuff you know but I did everything I could you know and then when I got it back I stuffed all the inserts in them I put them all together and yeah you know it's really a labor of love and I don't know I think people like something you know things like that that have a certain author that aren't mass produced and there's certain you know. It doesn't look homemade or anything. Robert no. Beatty did a beautiful job on the cover. Maria Tseka, uh, yeah. uh, I don't know if I said her name right, but she did a beautiful <laughs> cover photo. And, um, you know, so I, I felt very fortunate to work with uh, other people, like musical collaborators, but also like video, you know, directors. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so, um, you know, it was, it was a single a singular effort but you know with help from a lot of people and that was that was fun you know yeah but I, but, but I do love doing things myself I, you know I love it and I hate it you know yeah. I mean because <laughs> but I like uh, the autonomy and I like the control doing it myself absolutely I'm, I'm always amazed at people you know in bands or people like even worse like who make movies how many people it takes that you have to cooperate with, like to all be pulling in the same direction, you know. Yeah. To to get anything, it's a miracle anything gets done, because, uh, yeah, I mean, I do. The only kind of collaborations I do is if I get hired to do like an album cover or a book, or a book cover or something. Yeah. Some other kind of illustration. Yeah. But there, it's 
it's very clear and I, I like I like the roles real defined like they're in char- they're the boss and I'm just I'm just a worker you know yeah that's kind of how this was it was it's uh, much better that way I, I, think. I, I think it was more uh, well like um, you know aside from the uh, like you know I, I gave direction or mm. gave guidance you know and then yeah. gave the artist freedom to do what they're going to do within those guidelines because I trusted you know knew the you know knew the artists and I knew that you know, their strengths and, yeah. you know, even like, well, Quintron did things he, like, uh, you know, on the first track he plays flute and then on uh, the rap track he watch, uh, he scratches with electronic bongos, yeah. you know, so it's, <laughs> he's, you know, doing something different. But, you know, you can trust that he's going to do something cool. Yeah. No matter what he does, you know. Cause, but yeah, they're within the parameters that you've set. Yes. Because. Yes, you allow a certain... Uh, amount of controlled randomness i guess you know and also a yeah, final final edit <laughs> so, exactly so yeah. if, uh, you know, like if I, in the end you don't like it you're just going to cut it or like use something else or yeah. not use it and they can't really say anything about it right I mean, well i mean i i do want to get the artist's blessing yeah you know hey what do you think does this sound good to you you know yeah but it's a weird yeah these collaborative even like being in a band but like yeah i guess but you haven't been in a band for a while, right? Like I, I did the band. Violent Arp band um, in 2010. Yeah. You know, that was basically a mag- we were playing Magus songs. But it was a band. It was like a live band. Yeah, it was a live so, band. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could have called it, called it the Magus band or something. But you know, I I didn't want to be like, oh, I didn't want to have my you know, we're a band, guys. It's like you know, we don't want to have our you know my name out front, you know, and and. Uh, now I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I, maybe I would do something like that, like have, you know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. Like, like you don't want to be all like, oh, it's my name, my project, my this, you know, like I didn't want to be an egomaniac, but sometimes. Yeah, but it's your thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I know that's the thing. I was like too, too, you know. No, there's no, there's no way around the ego part of it. You just have to be kind of humble and not be a dick about it, but. There's right. no, you have to have, walk have, softly and carry a big ego. <laughs> something, uh, yeah. You you have to have some sort of, uh, if not self confidence, but yeah, ego. Yeah. No, I have to I inflict ha- inflict this these things on the world that's full of stuff already, because you know the other yeah. overriding thought is there's so much stuff. Why do you want to add to the pile of stuff? Yeah, I want people to hear my stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because you think you have something to say. And you keep putting the stuff out there. And yeah. No, I, I, I feel like I made something unique. Mm. And, uh, you know, every now and then I'll have somebody in my car and they'll go, oh, do you just do this full time? No, I make music. Oh, what kind of music do you do? Oh, electronic music. Oh, what kind of electronic music? Oh, electronic, kind of weird electronic rock. Yeah. Oh, I love weird electronic rock. Oh, do you? Can you play some of your, yeah. some of your music? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I'll play it. And they'll be like, huh. This is weird. I don't think this sounds like, you know, it's like... <laughs> this doesn't sound like official music. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, but, you know, the result is usually... This is not Skrillex or... <laughs> I don't know what, what they yeah, listen but, to. No, but, no, you know, the result is generally positive. Like, oh, people yeah. are like, this is, yeah. this is really weird. I, I don't... I like this, but I don't really know what, you know, and, uh, you know, which kind of makes me think, like, okay, well, this record could actually, like, resonate with... Mm-hmm with a, a bigger audience uh but you know you need to create the awareness you know and so you know press helps you know i would you know but fan 
support is also very important. And, uh, and, and in this, so far in this instance, um, you know, I just feel like the word of mouth has just been getting better and better mm -hmm. and more and more people, you yeah. know, it's like a slow organic build rather than, you know, yeah. you know, you got a certain numerical, you know, uh, score. The one cool thing about if you're not tied to some sort of business entity, if you are the business entity is you can have your own timeline. That's how I feel about the book, like the books I put out. Yeah. Like, yeah, like most books in the, in the publicity cycle of books, you've got like two or three weeks. Yeah. If it, if it doesn't get whatever it is, then that's it. It's I think over. It's pretty true with the record industry too. Yeah. You know? Well, because of those publicists go on to do their next thing. They're not going to keep pumping your book or record for like, you know, five months or 10 months. Well, or whatever, well, well like, or if there is a publicist in my case, yeah. you know, or whoever it is. Yeah. yeah. If, I mean, I had a friend help. You um, did? Oh, okay. Yeah. Max Allison. He helped me, uh, get the record out there into the, you know, like, cause he, you know, he knew people and, but yeah. for whatever reason, uh, you know, nobody really bit on the reviews, but that's fine. You know, it's, yeah. uh, but I, they, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't in. take anything for granted because, um, uh, you know, it's been, well, you can't anyway, but it's, it's been five years since I had a record and mm -hmm. this is also the first record under my own name. So I kind of look at it as like, you know, I'm starting over and savoring, savoring the, the climb yeah. that, you know, like, you know, because, uh, you it, know, Sigmund Freud said, uh, in retrospect, you will find your struggles most beautiful, <laughs> you know? And so the thing is to savor those, savor the struggle, savor the, the climb straight, uh, savor the adversity because, you know, it's not going to let up. You no. know, and, and even if you, even if something happens where, oh, you are lucky and you make it big, then you've got new demands placed on you where you, uh, yeah. uh, you know, you have like deadlines and pressures and interviews and, uh, you know, um, things you get, things you do. Um, what was, I mean, you had, yeah, back in, in that, in that long interview, there was something about where you were playing music festivals and there was all these posters with your face all over them and yeah, oh was, yeah yeah was we, that like the height for you like as far as like commercial success type that was really weird i mean was that, that was really was weird because i went to this festival in lyon france and uh and uh <laughs> yeah like i was like oh i'm so excited to play this big festival with yeah. uh roto and mobius and uh um you know cat bambino and just all these different like great bands and uh, um you know and then i got there and i was like whoa this giant banner with you know, with, it was basically it, it was basically like the Friends Forever cover, sort of like mm. you know they they had the mouth of the necklace and the F mm. and you yeah. know the teeth, and I'm like, holy shit, those are my teeth, you know, and this giant you know yeah. thing, and they had you know they had coasters and the, all the wristbands, had all had the merch. My, like every everything, you know, had I'm like, oh man, I'm like the so that's it made me think of when we were talking about like having whatever success. It was that like the height? Would you say like as far as Outward facing. I mean, there were, there were, well, um, you not know, for there, you personally, there, there were like but... a few, you know, like, okay, like there were a few peaks and valleys, like in terms of like, uh, uh, you know, touring Europe for the first time was a big milestone. Mm. Um, you know, playing a festival where my teeth were, <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, having Arthur Baker, uh, who produced, you know, New Order and Africa Bombada and all this, he, 
calling me up and saying, hey, man, I'm, I love your stuff. You know, will you do a remix for me? That was like, you know, I'm like, wow, are, the, yeah. the inventor of Electro. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, that was kind of wild, you know. Um, and then the, the Ozzy are, are Yeah, the, yeah. the score in Ozzy's movie and having the film get a standing ovation at Cannes. I'm like, well, that's a pretty big... Um, yeah. You know, so there, you know, you, the, the, the thing is, it's like, even though there's like maybe, um, you know, there's definitely, it's like a roller coaster, you know, like a yeah. line, you know, there's ups and downs and peaks and sure. valleys. If you have a long career, which I have, you yeah. know, and, um, you know, I think if you go for a long time and don't shit the bed somehow, yeah. uh, people will, you know, the longevity, uh, you know, you'll get respect, but, um. You also have to be consistent too. You know, I'm not going to wait five years till my next record like I did before. Like yeah. I want to start working on a new EP like now. Sure. You know, yeah. just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Like I feel like the hair is out of the pipeline, and now I want to yeah. be prolific. And and I think that that's how you get. You you know you can't uh, like if you for instance I if I say I'm not getting a review I can't be like oh man the system's rigged I'm not getting a review. Yeah. Well maybe. Maybe there was something with taking five years off, and maybe that you know you have to be consistent and come out with another record mm. and another record, and you know yeah. you have to be prolific and consistent, and especially now when people's times, uh, you know, their attention spans are so short, you know, you really have to work hard to um, get noticed, and that's just the way it is. It's nothing yeah. to cry about. You just have to be clever uh, in how you try to get noticed, I guess. And if you can do it on your own terms, that's great. Yeah, that's. That's the key, I think. And, I mean, yeah, still feeling like you have something to say, you know? That, yeah. That's the thing is that one of the the perils of whatever, if you get some sort of success, then whatever money machine that, you know, gets interested in you will want you to repeat it. Right. And then you get what, what Brian Case once, like, called zombie bands, <laughs> which is, you know, Riot Fest. Yeah. Like, that's all bands full of people that are were had a moment like 30 years ago and now they're 60 years old trying to jam their their fat asses into leather pants and it's it's sad you know and i don't like that i don't yeah and i, I don't, don't like getting caught up in and, um you know so like very often you'll see people who are like oh i really love this particular era of my life and i just am gonna stay stuck yeah, in that it's era the captain of, my... of the football team thing but yeah the, yeah and they're still the... like yeah and uh you're, you're reliving you're not living yeah you know? and i just uh i mean uh that's horrible you know maybe i have a fondness for certain periods but i don't want to get stuck in a time period like i want to keep moving and evolving and changing and you know and i and for whatever reason i still have you know retained this like youthful yeah curiosity about new forms and and just like i mean god i'm just in love with synthesizers you know i just yeah. like i just love them and there's so many things you can do with them and they work with each other and interact and you learn a new trick or discover a new piece of gear that does this and mm -hmm. like and uh and so i really feel like i'm just kind of getting started after all these years you know i mean i've been in the, you know doing music for a while but i still feel like Oh my God! I think like that's. I, I'm I think so that's excited by the potential. The feeling or the attitude that you have to have, keep. If you lose that, then then it's gone. You know, then it becomes a job. Yeah. And it becomes. And like, it becomes like you're yeah, punching yeah. the clock. Yeah. And you can and you can smell the stink off somebody who's doing and something if, and resents it. You yeah. Know? And if it's a job, there's way easier, more efficient ways to make money than like putting out some sort of art object that's not the way to do it and yeah. and i feel like you know the, yeah. pe the people who want to make uh, i mean like do i sure i would love to make money if somebody said hey jim 
we're going to buy your whole back catalog for half a million dollars. Yeah. I'd be like, done, you know, of course. but, um, yeah. but, um, you know, if you make money the single driving force, then you're going to be forced to water down. You're going to be forced to compromise. You're going to have to repeat experiment. And I'm not saying that, you know, oh, I'm going to make everything different every time. I've got a certain level of like brand consistency, I suppose. You know, certain yeah themes that run throughout the music, and you know, so I'm operating in some known quantity. But I always want to surprise myself, and by surprising myself, surprise other people. You know. Yeah, it seems boring, even up to the point of like. Where like the the cycle of like recording or a band records a record and then they go on tour and they play those songs, like that seems, like that seems like that would be boring to me, like as a creative person, because you've already however long it took you, you know, two three five years to record that, to compose that music and then you have to repeat it like night after night. Yeah, and, how, and also now with the, if you know if you're putting out records, the two year <laughs> lag to get a record out. I mean, it wasn't it didn't yeah. take that long for me because I worked with uh, Smash Plastic here in Chicago yeah. and they were they were able to get it done much faster, but um yeah. um uh you know, like you Did know, you go there and watch your watch the machine poop out the record I didn't but I went there That's really yeah, fun. I, I you know I got him uh no I didn't I didn't see the stamper yeah, come yeah, down and yeah. smash him but uh but I did see him stack up on the spindles mm -hmm. and that was cool um you know so I did go down there and they gave me a nice welcome and uh yeah It's the, a cool place. It's it is. a cool it's a it's got a good vibe to it. That That's place. another thing you know just you know having something like that in Chicago like yeah. um like uh you know, I just feel like Chicago has more cool stuff all the time, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, cool galleries and cool uh, clubs or art spaces and just, you know, diverse sort of, you know, I'm, I'm going to Ambient Church, uh, mm. you know, with uh, Suzanne Ciani and Sam Precop and, you know, just, you know, doing things like that, like more and more like, you know, people's visions being fleshed out and uh, that's why I like Chicago... Um, you know, I, I, I'm really happy with how it's developed over the years and the time that I've been here. For sure. Yeah, it changes. Uh, yeah, I've gone through a whole sets of friends in different neighborhoods, different, you know. There's always, I mean, such a huge sprawling place that if you get priced out of, like, you know, I got, I mean, the reason I left Wicker Park was I had, like, my marriage ended and I didn't want to have roommates again, so I moved south. Yeah been on the south side ever since you know oh, okay but, but each neighborhood is like its own little town with a cent like a town square and you can reinvent you can start all over again and never leave the city you know like within the city limits yeah over and over again i've lived five six different neighborhoods i think now i like the i like bridgeport i'm in bridgeport now i yeah. have been for seven years i think six years seven yeah seven years yeah, Bridgeport's cool. I mean, I don't, you know, yeah. I've never lived here, but... Yeah, it's it, it's a place that allows you to start over if you need to start over, you know? Or, if, you know, yeah, like you were talking about earlier, how when you closed up a weekend and you, you didn't want to stay in that neighborhood and keep hearing about... Yeah. It, like, why... I had, to, I had to lick my wounds. Yeah, you had to go somewhere else and start over. Like, I had... You know, my marriage, like, we took our, like, we eloped. It was, a like, a crazy-ass thing. But, like, the pictures, the wedding pictures, quote-unquote, were from the Rainbow Club. They were photo strips from the Rainbow Club. Oh, So wow. there was a couple of years where I couldn't go to that place. Right. Because that's all I would think about. You know, like how right. that fucking crashed and burned. 
But I got over it. Now I, I go back there. I'm I'm working there. You know, Thanksgiving. Oh, going okay. In, I'm bartending there. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, and like I've I've had an art show there for 25 years, almost every year. Yeah, I, I've only missed a couple, but like 25 fucking years. You know, that's crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy to think about. I don't think I would have ever predicted that that I would have had an art show at the same bar. Right over the course of twenty five years. Yeah, you, you, you never know what's around. You never know what the future holds. You never know what's right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, you know, you could just increase your luck by showing up and doing a lot of hard work. You know. Yeah, it's it's a it's a place that in in its own way rewards the hard work. You know, it's it's not in the in the kind of Hollywood way or like. You, you won't become a TikTok star or whatever, whatever the value measurement is these days. It gets shorter and shorter, you know, because yeah. now the video is only like five seconds long. You know? Yeah, right. Not, <laughs> not like the glory days of seven seconds. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, in the, the shortening attention span, and, and it's harder and harder to rise above the fray of all this info flowing back and forth like how do you get anybody to notice yeah i did one of these with an old friend who's i mean he has literally a million followers on twitter wow and, and he's concerned with these same problem like but you have to keep feeding the thing you know like well there's not going to be anything to feed before no long. well yeah now that it's musk talk yeah <laughs> yeah he's yeah he's yeah he's that right, fucking he's, fool is gonna totally destroy that kill it yeah, you know, I mean, finish I'm, what Trump started a few years ago with I, Twitter. Yeah, know? I'm still on and, there, but oh, you? Uh, you know, it seems like he's uh, yeah, you he's, know, gonna run he's it trying into to the kill ground. It real, yeah, real good. <laughs> uh, I, I'm so thankful not to be part of any of. Like, I, I quit all that shit seven years ago, and I'm not going back. No, no social media for me. <laughs> yeah, I've recently been hanging out at this place where uh, no cell phones are allowed. Oh and, yeah, uh, I love it. it it's, well, what? What kind of place? Is, well, is it a I can't club? I can't talk uh, about it, but it's uh, yeah, but it's uh, you know it's uh, <laughs> you know it just you know that's the kind of thing that inspires me. It's like you know just people like doing what they believe in, and you know mm -hmm. not having an internet presence and no cell phones and just yeah. you know. People thought I quit Twitter, and people thought I died. Like, <laughs> like no, I decided to look out the window and. Look at the you know sun shining. It was it was huge. And that's the I quit smartphones for the same reason. I I'm on I'm on computers all the fucking time, but when I leave the house, I don't need them with me. You know. Yeah, I uh, you know it is nice to turn them off, and uh, you know I mean I'm as addicted to my phone as any. Well, not as you because you're I can't say as not anybody me. because uh, not you because you don't participate. But um, no. You know, I put my time in that salt mine. You know, like yeah. I, I did my time. Like anybody that ever accused me of being a luddite, like not looking. You know, right? No, I, I remember, think I, just, I remember you on the infancy of Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I joined Twitter in like oh seven or oh eight or something. Oh eight is when I joined. Yeah, yeah. probably around oh yeah, like pretty early. Yeah, it was like I, you know, I. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got tired of being the last guy to show up, you know, to, uh, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try this, you know, get in on this, uh, seems yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, yeah, Twitter lost its whatever, my contribution to it was when I stopped driving a cab, 
Yeah. And I couldn't report like these little snatches of thing information. Right. Which distinguished my tweets from every other schmo that was just commenting on the fucking news or trying their jokes, you know? Right. I was, that's the only thing, I, and it became... Well, that's, that's, what it, that's what it uh, was, was cool about it, is because is you could customize it, and it could be what you wanted it to yes. be. Like, it seemed a little more, um, you know, weird, uh, you know, hyper-focused on, you know, the brevity, the wit, yeah, you know, the sarcasm, the, you know, all that, you know, but now it's just like, you know, I stay there. I, I still find value in it, um, but it doesn't look like it's going to last long. But, you know, then somebody else will invent something else. They yeah. Always, they always do. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Uh, do you I, remember when MySpace was like the only place that you could go for? Yeah. It was like, it was like I remember show. somebody talking to me about Friendster at a show once. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Friend? What the hell is Friendster? I had a roommate that had Friendster. I wasn't on computers yet. I was real late to computers. Yeah. But I had a, a roommate who was like talking, talking, talking about Friendster. And I just made fun of him. Like, yeah, yeah, I went, on, uh, I went on Friendster. And, oh, you were uh, on Friendster? I was on Friendster, yeah. And before that, there was even something called Makeout Club, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Makeout Club? What the fuck is that? Like, I don't need to make out with anybody. Yeah. Like, you know, I was married, and, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But then I, it, then it, it turns out, well, it's also for people who want to be friends. I'm like, okay, well, it's, so it's, uh, you know, like an early social network, you know, but I was on message boards. Uh, oh. Yeah, so you were pretty early on, on computers, yeah, I was, yeah. like, the first Lake of Dracula tour, like, mm. you know, when you would book a tour in the early 90s, you would often rack up, like, $400 phone bills on landlines, you know, booking a tour, and yeah. then I remember um, Lake of Dracula was coming back, and they were like, all right, here's the measly amount of money we made, let's mm-hmm. split it up. Jim, how much do we owe you for the phone bill? Thinking it was going to be, like, $400, yeah. and I'm like, uh, I think, like, $70. They're like, what? How could that even be? And I'm like, how, you know, like, well, I, I used email. Whoa, email? You booked mm-hmm. the tour on email? How did you, yeah. how did you do that? You know, so. That's cool. I felt like, uh, like an early, you know, like it was, you know, in, in the late 90s. I, I, don't, I didn't feel like I was that early, but I was kind of early. It was you know? pretty early, yeah. yeah. I mean, on the flip side, I was, when I first drove. 97, that was? Yeah, in, I drove a cab in Boston from 93 to 97, and I had. In about 94, 95, I got an early cell phone, like one of those bag phones that you had to, you had to uh, put a magnet on top of the car with an antenna. Oh, okay. And, but you had all these roaming charges, it was really expensive to have one of those, but I had that for early, for repeat customers, and that's the only thing I had it for, you know, it was just business. I would turn the fucking thing off as soon as I got out of the cab, you know? Right. <laughs> fun yeah yeah so i you know i like to I, I find technology interesting and you know um as long as you're using it not the other way around and so many of these it's i think just, it's a you symbiotic you know it's you a little bit of both. slave to it yeah. you know i mean i have my music available digitally because uh you know as i heard on your episode with with mick uh you know it's like um yeah i'm not gonna make any money from the streaming yeah per se, but it may get people to know the music and, and come to the gigs. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, I, I don't want to be somebody who's, like, championing something that is causing the demise of some, you know, some people depend on music for an income, and some people, sure. so I don't want to be like, well, but that's I don't, you, you know, well, it doesn't affect me, so who cares, you know, I get it. Um, but at the same time, I do want my music to be heard by uh, uh, people so that I can get 
opportunities uh, to play or, you know, do work or something like that, you know? But yeah, ultimately, whatever the delivery system, you want people to hear your thing. Yeah. And that's what's cool. That's what I loved hearing from, from Mick and from Tom Shannon. And these are two of, like, the, the biggest record dorks ever, probably. Yeah. And, no, and, no and more I was about, one, too, yeah. No more about records than anybody that I know. Well, they know more than me, I'm sure. But. No, but... And they still, like, were like, I, I would rather have the music out. If it's not going to be on vinyl, it doesn't, like whatever delivery system like i want my music out there yeah i'm not gonna li- wait three fucking years for the vinyl plant to be ready to press my my masterpiece you know like <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if you can have the idea and yeah. master it and get it out in a week's time then hell you know that's fresh and fun and that's what they do in in hip-hop now and a lot yeah. of mainstream pop it's sure. like you know the vinyl is uh lp is like the afterthought and yes. uh so um it's you know, like a there's gourmet some, there's, gourmet souvenir like whatever yeah there's some yeah. there's something kind of freeing about just not worrying about it you know because when i thought it was going to take two years i was like well i'm not going to wait wait two years i'm just gonna this is kind of freeing in a way i could just like release uh you know singles digitally and then yeah. um and then uh you know when smash plastic uh said oh we could turn it around faster i was like okay well i better yeah. i better do the record then you know because i i still Fetishized records too, you know. I no, I, I love them. I mean, but I always I go through every few months. This is as many records as I've I've had in a while. It's yeah. not that many records, uh, but I go through them, and the ones I don't listen to, I take to the record store, and sell for a credit, which you know I take a bath on. But then I get different records that yeah. I'm going to listen to. Yeah. My my rule is I'm listening to them. I'm not. It's not an investment thing. I like I like records because I like the cool art and stuff. But if yeah. I'm not listening to them, somebody else should be. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like to keep new stuff flowing all the time, and that's one of the things you know that I I like you know stream because you could just like yeah. constantly hear. I, I search for music every fucking day. And yeah. I don't even play music. Yeah, and a lot of the times I just want to hear like, oh, I just go down some rabbit hole of a, like only wanting to listen to the Stranglers or something mm-hmm. like that, and it's it's all there for the taking and. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, am I like a parasite for like, you know, maybe, but I contribute as well. So it's sort of a mutual parasitism. So, yeah, um, you know, ha- you know, like people, you know, I've, I've even had people DM me and say, you know, I, I really don't want to, you know, how can I make sure you get paid? I really don't want to yeah, like, yeah. just just go for it. I'm, I'm giving you my blessing to just listen yeah, to it I, however uh, you can. Yeah, you know? since... Since our dad Neil Young said you can't use Spotify anymore, I, I quit Spotify. Did you? Okay. Uh, I did quit Spotify. I never loved Spotify. I, I think it's a beautiful app. Like that guy invented a really probably the best delivery system so far, you know, for arranging and making playlists and stuff. But it was like it's full of dicks, you know, and it it bothered me enough no, enough I, to get off of it. But I still like this. This conversation will post to to Spotify, even though I don't pay attention. To, I don't. Okay. I no longer have a Spotify account. You know, it, it it'll go out on there. Yeah, you know? I I I do. You know, like um, you know, because I, other I, people use it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you <laughs> yeah. know, when like you know, when when I have somebody in my car, and they go, "Oh, you're a musician." Yeah, <laughs> is your stuff on Spotify? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it is, yeah. but it's also on this other app, app called Bandcamp, and yeah. they're like, whoa, yeah. they get confused, you know, and, and uh, you know. There's a cool, uh, somebody, this guy made a, a thing to make, one one of the 
flaws of Bandcamp is that there's no way to share. Like, there's not a pl easy playlist function on okay, it. Yeah. This guy made a thing called Bandcamper without the. It's just B without the vowels. Yeah, no vowels. Okay. Yeah, which is cool. You just cut and paste uh, tracks into it. And you can share them. Oh, cool! With a buy button next to each track. Oh, nice! It's just it's nice. Yeah, uh, Bandcamp has been good. Uh, you know, they're yeah. very equitable and yeah, you know, like they they don't take such a huge share. And uh, although they got swallowed by uh, by Epic big, Games, yeah. Uh, so who knows how long that'll last? Yeah, and then um, you know, and then there's some uh, some other things like I heard Nina Protocol, like with like it's it's like kind of like blockchain sort of stuff like mm -hmm. i don't fully yeah. understand yeah. it it's um you know uh like i i'm not into nfts right but it's you know somehow in this web 3 world that i don't completely understand yet and uh you know from what i've you know from what i've gathered they seem to be pretty um you know in the right place ethically you know mm -hmm. in terms of like carbon footprint and in terms of like you until know, they make their first billion or whatever and then, then, they, yeah. then they'll switch they're like gremlins they all be like Mon after doesn't midnight. money ruin everything yeah you know it then does you, it what really you get does. is an elon musk or a jeff bezos you know like they all started out as nice nerds or most of them did you know but as at a certain point they yeah. changed <laughs> well i think i read in an interview with nas where he was saying like you know people think that money makes people dicks it's either they're probably dicks already yeah they just didn't have the muscle to uh you know the power to flex well suddenly everybody is approving of what they're doing so then you know when nobody's there to check you then left to your own devices right unless you're fucking whatever uh saying i was gonna say gandhi but gandhi's got bad baggage too oh does he i think so oh, okay uh, yeah I, I think he mis mistreated some people <laughs> like like <laughs> on the down low but <laughs> oh, <laughs> or whatever wow. I've heard, whoever you want to say mother Teresa also apparently not a nice person but oh wow <laughs> yeah but yeah unless you're a saint like yeah if, if everybody just echoes what you're saying and says you're great then what are you going to become? You're you're going to become a fucking monster, you know? <laughs> unless they, you have some grounding. Unless yeah, you have some. Most of them do. You know, they become horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's interesting to see how like money and fame could change people. You know, I've seen it affect different people to varying degrees, and you know, it's it's hard to say like what you know what uh, would cause you know, uh, a change in a person that makes them completely, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and that, it's the big problem of... You know, and who's to say one, you know, like, you know, when you're used to people doing things for you all the time, or used to never hearing no from anyone, you mm -hmm. know, um, you know, are some people going to become corrupted by that? Is You know, are there people that remain uncorrupted by that? It's... Uh, I bet it's a minority of those people that are that not are uncorrupted. Are uncorrupted, yeah. Yeah, John Peel was saying that he hated uh, meeting bands because he would become friends with these bands, and then they would they would get big, and then you had you know you couldn't just call them up for your you know right. to go on double dates with your wives. Uh, you have to like talk to the uh, receptionist and book a date, you know. And, well, I I mean I don't know I I've I've only known I know a few famous people and mm -hmm. the problem is that they're very aware if they go to a place that they will be right like they can't act like normal people right they just can't right like that's what like i was friends with 
Irvin Welsh when he lived here. Yeah. But one of the reasons he loved living here is people, he could just go on the street and nobody gave a shit. Yeah. Like, but, but in, in London or in even more so in Scotland, you know, like he's, he's a rock star and he can't live a normal life in a place Yeah, that's like gotta that. be, uh, oh. that's gotta be, um, you know, constricting. You but know? we just go to fucking matinee movies at the music box or go have dinner, you know, and yeah. he liked that. Because he could do that here, you know. But the rest of the year, he would be touring on this book or that book. Yeah. And this crazy alternating. I'm sure he's still at it. I haven't heard from him in a bit. But he moved away. He had a relationship end. That's why he left Chicago. Oh, okay. He had a marriage wow. end. Uh, but that happens. Yeah, he has this. All like all his books are like it's put out in England, then it's put out in America, then it, then it's translated. So it's like a nonstop. It's a book tour that never ends. Wow. Like. <laughs> And he's just, he cranks them out. He writes all the time. And then he's writing movies, TV shows, and then he's like back into DJing. He's doing like his acid house thing. That was part of his post. Uh, I think he put out a record. I, I, he's doing yeah, shit. You know, he does it, shit all the funny. time. It's funny. I do remember interacting with him on Twitter a couple of times. Uh, you know, sweet guy. Years, really yeah. sweet guy. But like it's, there's this other, you're, you're aware that there's this other reality that they have to contend with that yeah. you don't. Like, yeah. or I don't, you know? And I don't know that I envy, I don't envy that. I yeah. Don't. Well, my friend Andrew WK, uh, right. you know, he got pretty well known, famous or whatever, and then he just pulled a disappearing act. Mm -hmm. He just uh, completely erased all his social media, dis took down his website, disappeared yeah. from public life, didn't go on, tour got canceled, boom, he was gone, you know? And yeah. uh, everyone's like, what happened to him? Is he okay? And, you know? No one knows. Oh. Didn't didn't keep ties with anyone and didn't, uh, you know... Oh, so he even broke off contact with friends? Everything, everybody. Oh, wow. You know? Like, and some people were, like, maybe yeah. a little butthurt by that, but I'm just like, well... Sure. Know, he's doing what he's got to do. It's more power to him, you know? Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, one of the problems with, like, with those famous people is they just start assuming that everybody wants something from them and that the reason that it's, you're... Well, you're I think to some degree to that's... I think to some degree that's true, you know? Yeah. Like, oh... You're going to shine in their You know, let me use some glory. of my old cachet to, you know, like, allow this person with more fame to give me something, money, or elevate my own fame or you know like i'm sure yeah you you don't know who your real friends are yeah a lot of the time you know yeah. you wonder like are they my friend because i'm famous did they treat me this way before i was famous and you know it's really got to fuck with your head a bit you know but yeah i i'm not super interested in finding out any of that <laughs> like that that's not an experience i feel like i need to have right <laughs> but like yeah, I I would you know financial I, comfort would be nice. But that's the we'll thing. See. It's like you know, uh, for me, um, the appeal would be to have some uh, clout to pursue artistic projects, uh, and you know, budget to pursue mm -hmm. certain art. You know, if you yeah. want, say wanted to make a film or wanted to make a very ambitious record or something yeah. like that, um, you know, I think that that fame could be a vehicle to gain some of that leverage, be it financial or influential or, um, you know, so that, that is interesting, you know? Yeah. It always seems, whatever the situation seems. So, I remain so, delusional kind of that I will, balancing uh, act. you know, I, I still would love to tour more. I'd still want to make, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I, I, uh, 
I'm not going to say I crave fame, but I crave some of the things that fame could bring, which would be just the, the ability to work on cool shit. Yeah. Because that's, you know, I love making art and it's nice to, you know. Do you get as grow. much out of, uh, here's a question, out of, out of performance as like the making, is, there, is one better or more interesting to you than the other? Well, are they? I know, I know they're I, very different. I but... love being in the studio working yeah. on music. I, I I love it. Yeah. And part of it's you know the genesis, the original genesis of the idea is the very exciting part. Like oh my god, listen to this riff. This is gonna yeah. slay him. Yeah. And uh, you know, or you know, a certain line or some you mm -hmm. know. Uh, and then some of it is just a lot of work. You know, like just mm -hmm. mixing and sure. you know the. So there's like. But I love it all, honestly. Mm -hmm. And uh, playing live is fun. It takes a lot of work, a lot of prep, a lot of practice. And so I kind of dread all the prep in a certain way, yeah. you know, because I just get, you know, it's kind of like this amping up to the, mm -hmm. to the thing. And, and uh, you know, because I'm doing electronic music, it's a lot of like, okay, I need to remember that when this part comes in, this channel's got, this volume... Yeah. Channel's got to get rerouted to this one because when the effect is turned down, the gain is too much, and this, you yeah. know, so it's a lot of little things to remember sure. and a lot of preparation. Um, but when it, when you finally hit the stage and have that interaction with the audience, it's like ah, this is why I went through the two weeks of bullshit, you know. And that's not bullshit, but mm -hmm. you know, the two weeks of torture, um, you know, just. Um, you know, because, you know, before a show, I just get kind of like, you know, sucked into it. You know? Yeah. Like really, you know, uh, you know, uh, like because I, I kind of, you know, I'm not just walking up to him. Like, oh, I'm going to dispassionately answer my, you know, I'm putting everything into it. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so it does take a certain amount of myself and a certain amount of just like headspace to dedicate myself to that particular thing. And, um... And so that can, you know, it's not always the most pleasant thing, you know, um, because, you know, you don't... But there is some kind of joy out of the, that, just the performance The part. release, yeah, yeah. Once you get up there, once you get yeah. up there on stage, then it's like, ah, oh, and, and, you know, and it sounds great and it sounds loud and you, mm -hmm. you feel the power and the crowd and the, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, I'm kind of addicted to it. Uh, and, right. I, and, and playing the other night for the first time in mm -hmm. five years, I was like, oh, yeah. This feels good, you know. This, yeah, you know, feels so it was, good. It was all worth it. <laughs> yeah, it feels good to play a good show. So, so uh, it's a very different. I think honestly, I would say that I pref I love working in the studio. I love mm -hmm. working with the synthesizers and and doing that sort of thing. But yeah. I, you know, I like that half hour up on stage. Mm -hmm. You know, or forty minutes or whatever it is. You know, I, I like that. Um, no, I'm super fascinated by that. It's nerve-wracking. Performance stuff because that, I've never really done that. I mean, yeah, I've been on stages doing readings and stuff, but yeah. it's just not the same because the, the reading is not the main... It's an afterthought. It's this like side thing. Yeah, the, the you, main you wrote it. The writing of it took the took yeah, the, took and presenting out. a book even even either as an object or just as a piece of like the text and the images, that's... That's the performance, right? the The book reading is this like side side like shilling kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's not a real performance, and I'm I've always been very very aware of that. That if if I get on the stage, I'm not that I'm an imposter, but that's not really where the performance takes place. This is like this afterthought side thing. Whereas a musical performance is its own 
end, you know? Yeah, I created those yeah. songs, and then I'm like, oh, now I have to reconstruct them, port so I can be, they can be portable and uh, yeah, and do this and um, you know have some authentic, you, you know. Um, so so it's it's a bit nerve wracking um, the pre the preparation, but but then I realized that um, you know just the feeling of electricity and the connection with the audience, you know, be it love or hate or both, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's. Like, I just really, like, you know, you just feel supercharged. And it's like, oh, man, this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. You know, even though I try to deny it or try, you know, yeah. like, stay away from it for a minute. Um, well, that's know. good to know that. I mean, yeah, I, I had a realization a while ago that I, I'd much prefer to be in the audience. I just like, you know, like, I like to be the one that's watching or listening. I don't want to be watched or listened to, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind. I don't the, like that kind of attention. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I do. Yeah. No, that's cool. <laughs> but, I, but you but know, you like know I said, that. I was very shy, and then mm -hmm. I had to pretend not to be shy. Mm -hmm. And after so many years of pretending not to be shy, maybe I'm not shy anymore. I don't know. <laughs> well, you fake not being shy pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, everyone's like, oh, get out of here. You're not shy, you know. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the, I... You know, I do feel uh, occasionally very socially awkward and, you know, it's... Uh... There was a good... I had a good... I had a, I had a, a long one of these with uh, Emmett Kelly. Do you know him? Uh, yeah, I do, Emmett. yeah. About, like, the difference of, like, he, how he would feel... He would feel very comfortable and safe on the stage, but it was... It's coming off the stage and dealing with people, like, the in-between was a problem... Like when he wasn't up there and he wasn't just in his everyday life, but like this kind of weird. In yeah, oh yeah, that yeah, that's area. why dressing rooms are so popular. Right, that's you know, why you they, can just go. Hide. So you all hide in the dressing yeah, room. Yeah, you hide. Yeah. I mean, like you know, because before a gig, and I remember this the other night, people will be talking. You like, like my energy is really f diverted into what I'm going to be doing and trying yeah. to remember. So, you know, just like I'm kind of on sleep mode, and people yeah. are talking to me, and their words yeah. are kind of like. You know, I can't really, like, because I'm so focused on, like, what I'm about to be doing. And, um, you know, I'll walk away from somebody in the middle of a sentence because I remembered something on stage sure. I had to check before, you know. And, uh, you know, so I probably appear, like, rude or whatever, you know. No, but um, you are out there a lot. Uh, for, like, I, I, I have enough friends that, that do that regularly, and, like, most of them, you won't find them until after they've played, you know, usually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, you know, um, I mean, I, a lot of the people that came out were my friends, so I wanted yeah. to mingle a bit, but it can, you know, it can be stressful. People are like, hey, Jim, how'd that thing go with the car the other day? I'm like, I, you know, I don't, like, <laughs> how do you feel, ready? I'm like, well, like, let's just, you know, like... Yeah, Jim, it's really going to suck tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny well. when you get questions like, are you ready? I'm like, well, I'll be ready when I walk out on, you know, like, I'm, yes, I'm ready, but, you know, it's, it's, a, you, you <laughs> no, know. what's go, what's happening today? Like, so, as if you hadn't been working up to yeah, it. Yeah, like, like some, for, well, for I mean, it's not that it's a dumb question, it's just that I never feel ready uh, until I do it, until I'm actually doing you it. You always know? have the butterflies or whatever before? before uh, you know, yes and no. You know, I do get, you know, like, I mean, yeah, I get butterflies, but, uh, but it's a point, like, not butterflies, like, oh my god, am I gonna fail, or are they gonna hate me, or whatever, yeah. it's just like, this feeling of anticipation, like, that kind of provides this, like, electricity that, mm -hmm. 
Right, you want the anticipation. Yeah, you have this anticipation, and it's, right. yeah, it's... Um, Which, yeah, because it'll make it different than whatever your day-to-day -day is. That'll, one of the things that will distinguish that you're doing a thing, this performance. Yeah. It's not just you sitting, having a beer with a friend, or whatever. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, there's adrenaline, there's butterflies, and, um, it, you know, it can be really kind of, um unpleasant sometimes in the in the lead up to a show you know like i mean because you have to like you're not doing the things you want to do you're not spending time with the people you want to spend time with you're just like i need to focus and and uh that can be a little um just... it's crazy when yeah when you read any of these memoirs or books about you know some touring band like how little of the time is spent doing the thing you know you're, you're driving or you're setting up you're breaking down and then you play for 40 minutes maybe an hour hour and a half yeah. And all those other hours and days and weeks you're doing this this shit that like enables that one half hour hour of glory or Yeah, and touring <laughs> is weird too cuz then you're like you get back and you know there's well when's the show to know? Oh, there are no more shows. You just get you this kind of like gears again. weird empty feeling of like wait, you know, I'm not going to load all my stuff into this bleach and beer smelling place and uh you know and then people are gonna cheer and then i'm gonna break everything down and be tired uh, you know like it's just this routine you get into <laughs> but i've never been you know i i'm not one of those like record to record to record to kind of you know yeah i'm not against that i just haven't been that person well when when it all hits, it all all the stars will align, and then you know yeah you have the yeah I'm I'm down for the uh, banners and the bracelets once again with, with yeah with the poster no you know the, uh, it's coming it's coming uh, I'm just uh, you know I'm I'm a patient person an old patient person but a patient. no I I don't expect you're gonna run out of things to say. You seem like you're in it for the long haul. I am. I'm in it for the long haul. You, like you're not I, one of those fly-by-nighters. You're not. You're not chasing the one hit. <laughs> no, no. And I feel very, very fortunate to, um, you know, have had such a long, and fun career, and met so many cool people and played these cool places yeah. and, uh, you know, and like I said, I've been in it long enough to know that, um, you know. Uh, you never know what's right around the corner. That's the exciting, you know, you just really never know what's coming. Yeah. You know, because there have been so many things where you're like, wow, I never would have imagined this. And, you know, and you never know. I like just making music. I love synthesizers. I'm in love. <laughs> that's enough for me. Cool. Let's, feel, cut, let's cut this off. That's I a feel good, grateful. That's a good place to stop. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, no problem. Where's your bathroom?